Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. But we're looking at a full vaccine. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, we'll. So the answer is the answer is yes. We're working for a fully approved vaccine, but we'll also use the tools we have. For instance, emergency use authorization um, as as appropriate. We use all of our regulatory tools to bring vaccine available for the entire American population by January. Okay, and then, Mr. President, could you just clarify why are some of you wearing a mask and why are some of you not wearing a mask? We've all been tested. I've been tested. We've all been tested, and we're uh, quite a distance away, and we're outdoors. So uh, I told them, I gave them the option. They could wear it or not. So you can blame it on me, but I gave them the option. We could wear it or not. Yeah, please. Would a U.S. vaccine be available to the rest of the world at an affordable rate, at a low cost? Uh, the last thing anybody's looking for is profit in terms of what we're doing. Every company... They want to get it out. We've had that. We've had a great experience on Rendisivar. We've had a great experience on everything we've done. People are looking to come up with the answer. They're not looking in, you know, typically they're saying, oh, how much am I going to make? How much? They really have been. There's been a great spirit on this. They want to get to the bottom of it. And I think we'll be able to do that. Mr. President, uh, the Indian-American community is appreciating your help in... in- and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 18th of May, year of our Lord, 2020. Going a day early. Because we're going to go do stuff after my appointment tomorrow. So we'll get on the mic today. And we have plenty of, as you saw by our intro, content. That was Caitlin Collins. We're going to go back to kind of our roots today. We're going to do mostly a media bash. It might be on subjects like Flynn and covid and Biden, but it's really the media. They're horrible. They're just horrible on levels that it's 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 grievously biased now. And I say it each podcast because election year, you know, this is what they do. But they've gone into overdrive. Um, as you heard Caitlin Collins talk about, uh, that came from a far-left websites, you know, the mass shame. And now you have mainstream reporters asking about mass shame. Yeah, I just watched GMA this morning. There's a guy on the side of the road in New York. He didn't have a mask on. He's on the air. People are starting to change as the count goes down. Um, and the most amazing thing, once again, is the fact that all the soothsaying about what it was going to be like isn't true. Florida and Georgia coronavirus cases decline. They've gone down. His tweet, we continue to see encouraging down on the fight in COVID. Today we have the lowest number of ventilators in USA 73 and the lowest number of COVID patient hospitalized, 1,094, since hospitals began submitting the data. People's responses, once again, because remember, you had nothing but shit from CNN Everybody, the South, but the South, the South, because they were going by that travel 
app that the South was blowing it off, and the South watches Fox News, and the South listens to Donald Trump, so the South's all going to die, and they did it because they wanted to. And simultaneously, it was, well, Cuomo's the greatest thing ever. Jackie Kunich. So given how much everyone is suffering everywhere, grieving loved ones, job losses, and even the simple things like hugging your friends, I failed to see how this snarky nonsense from Mark A. Caputo, who I think is an awesome reporter, is helpful. And what did he tweet? <clears throat> this is... This is Florida just doesn't look nearly as bad as the national news media and sky is falling critics have been predicting for about two months now. But then the national news media is mostly based in New York and loves the Democratic governor, Andrew Cuomo, about as much as he loves to hate the Florida Republican, Ron DeSantis, Jackie Kunich. The reporters in New York who were shading have lost people too and are working their tails off, Mark Caputo. Now they're pissed off because they didn't get it. Responses to her. What's not helpful is you insulting an article but not providing any argument data show he's wrong. Snarky nonsense that New York-based media have glorified Cuomo. Do you own a TV? Do you get internet? Do you miss the hardball interviews of his little brother on CNN? I'm sorry, but it doesn't strike me as snarky. It strikes me totally true and accurate. I don't know, Caputo, but he's 100% accurate. Others, and it's pretty clear that the media is absolutely upset that Florida isn't doing relatively great, considering its major inherent risk, even higher than New York, large senior pop, major international travel, European amusement parks, etc. Everything is far too sad and upsetting for Floridians to be criticized in New Yorkers who have mindlessly criticized Florida, somebody said. I'm sure that she scolded the New York Times writer who sneered, in a word, the South, for driving more than two miles from the homes to buy food because it's rural, a thing I didn't hit, because it's just fucking evident. We don't live and have, what are those things called, uh, what the fuck do they call the little grocery stores on every color? Whatever. We don't have that. I gotta drive 14 miles to go to a Walmart because I live where there's nobody else. But while they're doing all this, and oh, educated hillbilly pictures of Rupar and Krugman, hope for cases to die. But the South, the South, the South—they're <clears throat> not reporting how bad. Democrats have overstepped their bounds. Wisconsin Supreme Court strikes down lockdown. There's courts all over the place. You can't stop people from going to church. JoLynn Patriot, an agency cannot confer on itself the power to dictate the lives of law-abiding individuals as comprehensively as the order does without reaching beyond the executive branch's authority. Reign it in, but the South. Yeah. Alex Burson, 26 days since Ron Fournier and Jay Bowie said Georgia was headed for the apocalypse. Seven weeks since Jamela said the same about the whole Deep South. Ron has had the gut to admit he was wrong. Will you do the same, Jamel? And no. COVID has killed nearly 700 Georgian residents. The cases loads are still growing, but that won't stop Brian Kemp, who cares more about showing a slavish loyalty to Trump than he does the people of the state. B-boy bougie. 
Ron Fournier, mark this day because two and three weeks from now, the Georgia death toll is blood on his hands. And as Georgians move around the country, they've spread more death and economic destruction. Another one from B-Boy Bougie. Florida and the Deep South are going to get hit with a wave of infections and death and almost entirely because of mega politics, a mega political correctness. That's what he said. And then just fucking trying to tap it down. I feel genuine dread and sadness. Here's the reality. Axios is the only goddamn reporting firm, which it's liberal, that had the stones to talk about all those New Yorkers who spread it to Florida, you fucktards. But you didn't. And I can read everything. But I'll just read what they're saying. Let's see you demand an apology from Trump now. Alex. Because Ron Fournier finally said, my prediction below was wrong. Not as wrong as predicting 221, the death toll will soon be close to zero. Because that's their answer for everything. But Trump. But Trump. But Trump. Kirk Eichenwald's been tweeting incessantly. Went to a grocery store pharmacy, many without. And what is it? Oh, they don't have masks. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. Here's the reality, folks. I went out fucking Saturday. I had to go get some Copenhagen, some cigarettes for the wife. Jesus fucking Christ, nobody was in anything. Two of the gas stations that I go to, one still had the lines on the ground, but none of the workers were in masks. And the other one had ripped the lines down, and and it was totally illegal, because that's not what the state said. Nobody was masked. Nobody was in gloves. No, I was the only person walking around in a mask. So what did I do when I came home? Hey, honey, we're not going out for a while. That's all I said. We've gotten 50 cases in 20 weeks or two weeks. That is a spike of 30%, but it's 30% over not having a whole lot of cases. And people have that right. This is America. If you don't want to wear a fucking mask and gloves, you don't wear it. If you want to go lick toilet bowls, go lick them. I don't give a fuck. But that's not what we have on the left. And I can tell you that most of the people I saw were not a bunch of redneck, fucking trailer trash, cousin humping motherfuckers. They were liberals. Because whether you want to believe it or not, not everybody in the South's a goddamn redneck Trump supporter. I don't see a lot of mega pride where I live. Will these people vote for him? Yeah, because you put up Biden. And you want to do some fucked up shit. So, before we go into CNN, I gotta cover this. Because this, my God, we talked about it briefly. Okay? Briefly we talked about what they wanted to do for guns, and those being the Dems. And I wake up this morning to a messenger message from a young lady who I used to ride the bus with back when I was a kid. And just a great gal. I remember her fondly. She was very, very sweet. Um, She was the first, seriously, the first woman I ever met that actually... Uh, dipped. We kind of broke up the stereotype. She dipped, uh, what was I doing back then? 
I want to say back then I was doing uh, Happy Days. Yeah, it was Happy Days, like strawberry or some gay, raspberry, something really, really gay. It wasn't really good Copenhagen. There wasn't a lot of shit in it, right? You know, there was no nicotine whatsoever. And she did it too. So she sends me the resolution of House Reg 5717. And when it first came out, you know, there was a little talking about, um, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. They want to uh, assault weapons, blah, 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 blah. But it really didn't break down how extensive this bill was. So she sent me a screen print. Somebody was pushing around uh, on um, Facebook and... I decided, well, fuck, I'm going to do a, a a quick search. What is this? You know, what what are we what are we actually talking about when we're talking about this resolution they want to do? Here it is. HR 5717 Gun Violence Prevention Community Safety Act of 2020. This is what they've done for COVID. This is what they've done for everything. Because the moment Democrats get elected to Congress and they get a majority, they don't do what's best for the American people. They go straight into, I am going to do everything my far base wants. And I I say that as a conservative independent with a little bit of envy. Because when conservatives come through, they do 95 fucking authorizations to stop live birth abortions. They get nothing done. Or they do a hundred fucking resolutions to get rid of uh, the Affordable Care Act. And it takes forever to get done. And it takes the courts to really crush that fucking useless propagandist piece of shit. This bill, various changes to the federal framework governing the sale, transfer, possession of firearm and ammunition, among other things, the bill does the following. Other things is what worries me. Because when you hear the following, this is written by every town USA. This is written by people who follow the Sololinsky, get the people separated, take away their power, take away their guns, rule them like the fascist we are. Because remember, the media and Democrats project fascism on Trump and conservatives and You know, after Antifa rips the world up for fucking four years, we're talking about a Michigan protest like it's the first time people have ever came into a Capitol and report that they stormed the Capitol when really they got temperature checks and it's all bullshit. Same people, same media. Generally requires individuals to obtain a license to purchase, acquire, or possess a firearm or ammunition. That's the gun list. Now they know who has guns. Everybody, it's not a concealed carry license. It's a license. Raise the minimum age to buy any firearm or ammunition to 21. Establish a new background check for firearm transfer between private parties. Require law enforcement agencies to be notified following a background check denial. What is that? That's the red flag. They go to your house to take everything you own. That's fascism. Create a statutory process for a family or household member to petition a court for an extreme risk protection order to remove firearms. Red flag. 
restrict the import, sale, manufacture, transfer, possession of semi-automatic assault weapons and large-capacity ammunition feeding devices. The sale, manufacture, transfer, or possession. That means my wife has an AR, I have an AR. I probably have about 70 fucking magazines loaded. They take them all away from me, plus the ammo. Because that's not grandfather, that is you don't get to own it. Restrict the manufacture, sale, transfer, purchase, or receipt of guns without serial numbers. That's already there, dickheads. You don't enforce it because it's usually African-American and you say it's racist if we enforce that. Make trafficking of firearms a standalone criminal fence. It already is. Go back to what I just said. You don't enforce the laws. Chicago has the highest per capita of killers out there and deaths and murders. What did you do about it? Nothing. You blamed Indiana. Require federally licensed gun dealers to submit an annual certified compliance with a security plan to detect and deter firearms. Remove limitations on the civil liability of gun manufacturers. You hear that? So now they do choke point where you can't get money. And now it's anybody can sue Ruger if somebody shoots somebody with a Ruger pistol. That's their plan, that we have no weapons in America. We have no weapons manufacturer, period, because weapons are bad. Allow the Consumer Product Safety Commission to issue safety standards for firearms and firearm components. Establish a community violence intervention grant program, which will go to only African-American communities. And promote research on firearm safety and gun violence prevention. That's called the National Rifle Association, you fucking dolts. They're already on the case. But that intervention grant program, I said it goes to African-American communities. You know why it'll go to African-American communities? As I say it all fucked up? Well, that's because it'll be another slush fund like Planned Parenthood. What we will do is hand money to this community project. The community project will funnel money back into Democratic coffers for election processes. Because the only people that would be on those fucking committees are people that hate guns and are Democrats. Has any of that been reported? No. No. They passed it on purpose so that they win the Senate in November. They passed that thing. There's no grandfather. There's no nothing. They take away your shit. We already have domestic violence laws called the Lautenberg. If I beat my wife, I can no longer own a weapon the government takes away. I'm all for that. But this is what you get when you have people that know nothing about weapons, know nothing about the current laws they only fucking have and don't enforce, and you write another thing in is basically American President Michael J. Fox. That's the problem with the left. He wanted everybody to lose their guns because he's a liberal in the movie. I don't know his personal reasons or personal opinions on guns, but at the end of the day, He stated it, and it was very succinct. There are so many goddamn laws, and they're not fucking enforced. And liberals in their liberal cities have the most stringent gun laws, but it deters nothing. Because the first thing out of my wife's mouth this morning when I read this, 
and she's not a gun nut. She didn't start shooting guns till about t- 2010. Oh, that's great. So now all the criminals will have the ARs. It's the first thing she said. And she's spot on. So you hear these things up front. And as we do our first A block, CNN, then you understand why you hear this on CNN. Bewildered that people aren't dying in lockdown states or states that have started reopening. And then we'll go straight in. You'll hear that soundbite. And then you'll hear the bullshit, which was the Greta Thunberg expert on COVID and climate change, supposedly child, town hall, where our gay anchor today, because he decided to go out and say gay, his gayness is a blessing. And we'll do that in our news and social media nuggets today. Anderson Cooper throws a shit fit because people had the balls to critique them on who they chose to put in a town hall on COVID. Uh, he, he also had Sean Penn on. The percentage of new tests that are positive in the country right now, you can see a very steady march down here from March 30th. You see the percentage of new tests that are positive moving down. But... The one caution I'll say about this, this does look like good news. We hope it's good news. But do look at that word percentage with skepticism. You know, Brianna, as well as I, percentages can be very confusing versus raw numbers. What do you uh, make of this downward trend and how much stock should we put in this? These are just trends and there are a few things that we have to know about these numbers. So first is that uh, we still do not have a complete picture of what the virus is doing right now. And I can say that because uh, when you look at the number of tests it takes to find one confirmed case, uh, we are having to, we are testing only doing seven tests and only only to find one confirmed case. Uh, the more, the larger the outbreak you have of the virus, the more tests you should be doing in order to get a complete picture of what the virus uh, is doing out in your community. Still, to this date, we don't have a complete picture of what the virus is doing. Second, these numbers that we're looking at are not real time. There's a delay, of course, in uh, the testing, that once someone gets infected, it takes a few days to develop symptoms, uh, and then it takes some time to get the test done and to report the test results. So we're not seeing real-time what the virus is doing. We don't have a complete picture. We're not seeing real-time what's happening. So what we're seeing is actually a reflection of what's uh, probably the virus was doing a week or two weeks ago. Uh, in So we taped that interview earlier today, as I mentioned, and I just wanted to take a moment to point out kind of a surreal, absurd drama that played out over the last 24 hours online and amazingly in some reputable news sources. Yesterday, CNN ran an ad with pictures of some of our guests who would be on this two-hour program tonight who you've already seen. Take a look. This is the ad that we ran. It's got pictures of Kathleen Sebelius, former CDC director Richard Besser. It's got a picture of Sanjay. No picture of me. Okay, but that's okay. That's fine. I don't need another picture of me. And there's a picture of Greta Thunberg. Now, later, the ad was updated to include the commissioner of baseball when he confirmed that he indeed would be on this broadcast as well. So that's the ad that then ran. Apparently, someone with a blue check on Twitter saw the initial ad and was outraged and claimed that we had booked Greta Thunberg to be an expert on a coronavirus panel with other health experts. 
Then, of course, Donnie Trump Jr. jumped into this, which is weird because I thought he was allegedly running whatever remains of the Trump organization. I mean, shouldn't that be like a really busy job since it's, you know, allegedly such a great big company? Anyway, once DJ TJ started typing, then other people with blue checks on Twitter also started doing their thing because everyone has to produce content these days. That's what it's all about. It's like a tween on TikTok. You got to produce content lest you miss out on a cycle of phony outrage. Then someone who's apparently a reporter at Forbes uh, wrote an article about this alleged controversial booking and the concern about it. And the New York Post today wrote about it as well, claiming we were having her on a panel, which is what the first person on Twitter was claiming, which was made up. It was made up then. It was made up today in the Post. And in case you think this is some sort of cover-up, look at our past ads for shows. They're exactly the same. We had Alicia Keys a few weeks de- uh, a few weeks ago debuting a video for a song she released for frontline workers. Nobody thought she was on a panel with the FDA Commissioner Hahn, Governor Cuomo, and Jose Andres. None of them were on panels. They were all individual. Look, here's a promo for last week's town hall we had with journalist Lori Garrett, former Vice President Al Gore, and Spike Lee. No panel, just interviews. And again, no picture of me, just Sanjay. That's okay. I digress. Look. I get Donnie Trump Jr. attacking CNN and a 17-year-old Swede. That's like low-hanging fruit. It's like paying thousands of dollars to shoot exotic animals on a game farm. You know, it's easy. And I know Donnie Jr. just wants his dad to love him or notice him in a way that's not mocking him. But I just find it fascinating to watch the phony online outrage machine generate content on Twitter based on something that was never real to begin with. It's kind of surreal to watch it all just kind of play out. In the words of our dear leader, sad. One of the things I've seen you talk about online, too, is just how important it is to listen to experts and listen to science. And this is a time when, you know, I was not a very good science student um, when I was in school. Um, but this is a time, it seems, that, you know, the global scientific community is so critically important. And we're really seeing just how important it is to, to follow science. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and I hope that's we can see now the the scientific community are stepping up and they are they are speaking up more than they have they done before because obviously this is a crisis that requires the scientific community to speak up and uh, and I hope that people really it it feels like uh, science is getting uh, the role of science is is changing now it's becoming more people are starting to realize that we are actually depending on science and that we need to listen to scientists and experts. And I, I really hope that we, that, that stays and that's, that also, um, is, is for, for other crises such as the climate crisis and the environmental crisis that we actually understand that we have to listen to, to the scientists. Jim, uh, uh, Greta Thunberg, right? She's just 17. <laughs> She's most famous for not going to school. She's a priestess <laughs> of the global warming movement, of course. But now it seems she's actually a guru of the coronavirus tragedy, whatever, as well. CNN has put her on its panel tonight to discuss the coronavirus crisis, along with a former head of America's Health and Human Services. I mean... <laughs> Doesn't this strike you as utterly bizarre? I, I feel I feel there are two really important points here. Shame on CNN. Shame on pro- the producer of that program for thinking that it's appropriate to have 
a 17-year-old climate activist on a panel about this global pandemic. It just diminishes any kind of credibility that they may have been trying to have. And, and, and Greta and the people who mind her, however those decisions are made, who, who, who even knows, I mean, what, what, what a, a way to uncover the real agenda, which is just about relevance, because she's been very quiet since we've been dealing with actual problems, rather than, um, you know, wheeling around, boating around from A to B. I mean, this is a problem for the credibility of the, of the media more broadly, Andrew. It helps uh, I, 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 Spot on. Spot on there. But, you know, it sort of reminds me of some sort of primitive tribe where, you know, there's, there's someone they think is possessed, some child who speaks, you know, for God or something, and they all huddle around this possessed person, you know, who just babbles and they try and interpret the signs. It's so primitive. Almost, uh, yeah, sounds like a Hans Christian Andersen, like a fairy tale, I guess. I think the one key thing is, is that she is a 17-year-old girl and she's a climate activist. She's not a scientist. And I think this yeah. one great thing this global pandemic has taught us is that we have to listen to experts in fields of health and medicine and finance now moving forward into a global pandemic, into an, into an economic pandemic. So the one good thing is that I think the people like Greta and all other Instagram influencers, I mean, even earlier today I saw that no about Djokovic, who is probably better renowned for playing tennis, was hosting a live Instagram Q&A with some anti-vaccine nut job. So I think oh, people just need no. to stay in their lane when it comes to stuff like this. It's been a difficult time in all of our lives, and there are certainly many hard days ahead. It is, I think, especially important in these times of trouble to try to hold on to moments of joy and moments of happiness. Even as we mourn the loss of loved ones, we're also blessed with new life and new love. So I just wanted to take a moment and share with you some joyful news of my own. On Monday, I became a father. I've never actually said that before out loud, and it still kind of astonishes me. I'm a dad. I have a son, and I want you to meet him. This is Wyatt Cooper. He is three days old. He's named after my dad, who died when I was 10 years old. I hope I can be as good a dad as he was. My son's middle name is Morgan, which is a family name on my mom's side. I know my mom and dad liked the name Morgan because while I was going through her things recently, I found a list they'd made 52 years ago when they were trying to think of names for me. Morgan was on the list. So that's Wyatt Morgan Cooper, my son. He was, <laughs> he was 7.2 pounds at birth, and he is sweet and soft and healthy, and I am beyond happy. As a gay kid, I never thought it would be possible to have a child. And I'm so grateful for all those who paved the way and for the doctors and nurses and everyone involved in my son's birth. Most of all, I am eternally grateful to a remarkable surrogate who carried Wyatt, watched over him lovingly, tenderly, and gave birth to him. It's an extraordinary blessing which she and all surrogates give to families who can't have children. My surrogate has a beautiful family of her own amazingly supportive husband. I'm also so thankful for all the support that they have given Wyatt and me. And she has kids of her own, and I appreciate their support as well. My family is blessed to have this family in our lives. I do wish my mom and my dad and my brother Carter were alive to meet Wyatt, but I like to believe that they can see him. I imagine them all together, arms around each other, smiling and laughing and watching, looking down on us. Happy to know that their love is alive in me and in Wyatt, and that our family continues. New life and new love.
back with me is Sanjay. <laughs> Anderson. I told Sanjay a couple of days ago, so. I, I, I've, yeah, I've been bursting at the seams. I, I can't believe I kept this secret. I, <laughs> I told you, I, you know, I called Anderson right, right away and just, I'm, I'm so, so happy for you. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm thrilled for you. And I don't know how you just got through what you just read. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, I was looking for the Kleenex here, uh -huh. but, but I'm really happy for you. And you know, Anderson, as well, I like to, I like to give gifts. You know, you got, uh -huh. you got the mask from Soleil. So uh -huh. I actually went out and bought something for, for Wyatt. Here oh, yeah. it is. Yep. Look at that. <laughs> so not that he's not going to watch TV and know what his dad does for a uh, living, but this is a very nice, soft, uh, you know, CNN cool. satellite nice. truck. I don't even know if they have satellite trucks anymore, but this is it. They I'm do have this, satellite trucks. Yeah, so that's, that's that. I'm going to send that to Wyatt. That'll be from oh, Uncle, Uncle Sanjay. Awesome. Make sure to tell him it's from Uncle Sanjay. I will. Um, I'll wipe it down before I send it. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I'm probably going to be calling you up for some uh, parenting advice and how to deal with. I've done the diapers, and, and it's, uh, it's an interesting process. <laughs> I expect it. Yeah. You're going to be a great uh, yeah. dad, Anderson. I, I'm, I'm just so, you're going to be an amazing dad. I'm, well, I'm just so I happy so. for you. Um, I, uh, I got a lot of good people in my life, so I hope so. Uh, Sanjay, thanks. We'll be right back. While they were doing this on the air, you have this. 68% of Americans say a coronavirus vaccine is needed before returning to normal life, a new survey finds. A new survey that is liberally slanted and is total bullshit and less than a 1,000 people. CNN, that reassuring test result might be a false negative. The number of dead could be much higher. The reopening likely won't be what you imagine. Here is the latest on COVID-19. Stay in your house. Don't improve the economy. We must beat Trump. CNN Newsroom, Texas is seeing the highest number of new coronavirus cases and deaths just two weeks after officially reopened. John King CNN explores the trend in Texas as the debate on risk of reopening continues and lie. Lie. Sean T at RCP. Here's the seven day rolling average of new cases in Texas. Looks pretty bad, but here's the seven day rolling average of tests in Texas. And here's the seven day rolling average of positive tests in Texas, which maybe if Texas had stayed shut down, we'd have seen an even greater drop. Here's an honest debate to be had here, but the only way we have. An honest debate is without honest reporting, and that is in short supply. So I come back to something I said early on. If the only place you can get the positive side of the story is crackpots, then people will gravitate to crackpots. Do better. People are having trouble with this, so let them explain. If a caseload is a state is constant and you test more people, you're going to appear to get more cases. If it's declining, you test a lot more people. Same effect. Did Texas make the right policy here? I don't know. I was openly skeptical skeptical of what Georgia was doing, and in the month or two of the air conditioning capital, the world might look like New York City. Like I said, there is room for a vigorous, robust, and honest public debate. That is not what CNN is giving here. It has a storyline it wants to write, and by God, it's going to write it. And it's just not here. It's Wisconsin, Georgia, Florida, twice, and others. I've probably forgotten. And this matters. The stakes of on reopening and staying closed are incredibly high. So it's crucial to get a full set of facts out there for people who do pay attention. It fosters cynicism and distrust in the media and experts at the time we need them, which is exactly what it is. Whole article from Real Clear Politics. The costly failure to update sky is falling predictions. And Nate Silver, there are still way too many stories about big spikes in cases when the causes of those spikes was a big increase in tests. And remember, it's a good thing when states start doing more tests. But 
That's all they do is fake news. A couple podcasts ago, it was black woman dies, NBC's The Root, giving birth, neglect from the hospital. The real story, mother dies during childbirth from treatable condition that went undiagnosed due to COVID-19 restrictions. Where was it? New York. It took People Magazine, a celebrity rag, to get the fucking truth out. It wasn't racism. It was COVID restrictions. She couldn't get the appointment. I take a pill for my prostate. I couldn't go see the doctor. I had to wait three days to get a phone interview. Then I got a renewal. And now on Wednesday, I'll go get my Flonase, which I activated a week ago, prescription, because it was new, because you have to go in, go through their bullshit, get screened, activate, come back three hours later, and there's 300 people in the line on a military base. So you have to activate and come back another day, come in early, blah, 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 and then you'll get your prescription. So what I'll do Wednesday is go get that prescription and activate the pill I need for my fucking prostate. But then I'll have to wait another week to get it. So that means for two weeks I didn't have my prostate medicine. And that's all because of COVID. If I was black, I could say it was racism. If I was gay, I could say it was homophobia. If I was a woman, I could say it's sexism. But it's just COVID restrictions. The same restrictions CNN say should be in place. And then don't get them started on lockdown and face mask. And here's what makes this cycle so vicious. What makes this this back and forth so vicious. The president lies. Reporters pointed out. He says the media hates him. Then his supporters back him up. They excuse the lie. They defend their guy. They get even more alienated from the media. They become convinced that reporters are the enemy. And this helps Trump. So he keeps, keeps raising the volume. And then there's even more to criticize. And on loud, the shouting's even louder and louder on social media. And harassment and threats against reporters become constant. And attacks against Trump. And on and on it goes. It is a vicious, vicious cycle. But basic decency is not and should never be partisan. It is not a Republican or Democratic idea. I mean, we, we've got no plan. We, we have no details on that. And, and you're absolutely right. People want to go to the beach. They want to enjoy Memorial Day weekend. We just don't live in that world anymore. And so one thing we should point out what the president has been saying over the last couple of days is he's hell-bent on reopening no matter what. Yesterday he was saying that testing may be overrated. Today he was saying, well, a, a vaccine is not necessary in terms of reopening the country. He's laying out these benchmarks that essentially whatever the hell happens, he wants to reopen this country. He was talking about reopening schools in the fall and keeping uh, teachers who are above the age of 60 or 70 uh, from going back to schools and universities. Well, how, do, how does that work? How do you reopen schools without teachers of that age? I remember lots of teachers, Chris, back in my day uh, who were of that age, or at least they seemed that way at the time. Uh, you know, the, the president is not dealing with the reality of the situation. We've seen that from the beginning of all of this. But apart from the president, away from the president, there are scientists on the case. And if this Operation Warp Speed can get us to a vaccine by the end of the year, it doesn't matter what the president says at that point. Uh, the, the, this society, this country, the rest of the world is going to be in a much better place. And look, everybody wants to reopen. So why wouldn't you play the politics that way if you can? 
Now, again, credit to the president. Democrats have dummied up on this. They've allowed themselves to putatively be the party of no. Uh, and they're not framing questions the right way, and they may pay a political price for it. But you're right about teachers. We had the Catholic school experience. 65-year-old nun still had hands faster than Bruce Lee. Throw an eraser better than Andy Pettit. <laughs> Jim Acosta, have Watch a great weekend. There are growing concerns this morning over who is turning out for demonstrations against public safety measures in the coronavirus crisis. Protesters swarmed Michigan State Capitol again yesterday over statewide stay-at-home orders. Some of them had guns, big guns. The state's governor says she's concerned about possible racist elements among the crowd. Jerika Duncan reports on what some say is a pattern of very unsettling incidents. Open that business right now, today. A third protest at the Michigan State Capitol Thursday as demonstrators there continue to rebel against the governor's coronavirus restrictions. This time, a fight broke out between demonstrators over a doll with a noose around its neck. Organizers of the protest quickly distanced themselves from the incident. It comes two weeks after protesters, some armed, walked into the Capitol building in another attempt to rally against the state's shutdown. These have been um, these have been really political rallies where people come with Confederate flags and Nazi symbolism and and calling for violence. This is not uh, appropriate in a global pandemic, but it's certainly not an exercise of, of democratic principles. So I'm asking, since you're suggesting that I sacrifice, who are you sacrificing? Who are you willing to give up in your family? People's choice would be, and, and that's that's what people who don't understand what's going on here say. You know, we've got 36.5 million people unemployed. We have in seven different yeah. states now the suicide rate going up. Who are you willing to sacrifice to die, Chris? You're saying people should be willing to sacrifice family to die. Who are you willing to give up? Whoopi, that's not what I said. Uh So why don't you... you. There you are. Okay. What I said... What I said... I was. Lives are going to be lost inevitably in this, no matter what we do. Lives are being lost today after we've been shut in for nine weeks. People are still dying every day from these fires. But what people are also dying... You didn't... So you... You didn't say some Americans have to make the ultimate sacrifice. You did not say that. What I no, listen. I said that some Americans will make that sacrifice, no matter what we do. And now we have to decide how we're going to balance this. And the balance is that there are people who are standing on food bank lines, people who are losing their homes, people who are losing their livelihoods, which is leading to depression, which is leading to suicide, mm-hmm. which is leading to addiction, which is leading to domestic violence. They always seem to have money to give uh, tax breaks to rich people in this country, or money to, to, to bolster the military. But when it comes to actually helping people, the Republicans don't, all of a sudden, we don't have any money. We don't have any money. But that's just me. Let me ask you this question, because uh, uh, President uh, said, we have met the moment and we have prevailed. It was like mission accomplishments. So, uh, do you agree with that? First, let me talk about your first point which is that Republicans voted overwhelmingly for all of the aid for small business people across this country twice. Republicans voted overwhelmingly for the $1,200 checks that have gone to every one of the taxpayers out there who qualified under the program, the folks who in our lower middle class, middle class who needed that aid. 
Republicans have voted for aid to hospitals and frontline health care workers. So it's unfair, Joy, to say that Republicans don't support any of this stuff and they only have money for big business. That's a typical Democratic talking then point. But the, but the facts, well, unfortunately... Then, well, then why is... Okay, then why is everybody crying that they have no money and they can't, they can't, they have no job and they have no money? Why is everybody upset running out into the streets and defying the rule? Why? Tell me. Because because people want their lives back. Even the people who've received that money, the people who've received that aid, no, a job they want is their jobs back. They want their jobs back, not their lives. They're saying they want their jobs back. They want food. They want to pay their rent. They want to pay their mortgages. They don't have enough money for that. That's what they're crying about. And I don't see the Republican Party helping them. All they're doing is blaming everybody else. Uh, that's just wrong. I mean, it's just absolutely wrong. Your point of view, you're welcome to it, but you're not welcome to your own set of facts. The Republicans have voted to support... All of those programs you just talked about, food programs, aid programs to people with direct checks to them, aid programs to small business, aid programs to frontline health workers and to hospitals, all of those things have gotten overwhelming, in fact, unanimous Republican support as they've gotten unanimous Democratic support. And what people want are their lives back, and their lives, part of their lives, are their jobs. Good evening from New York. Happy Friday. I'm Chris Hayes. By now, you have probably seen images of the president pointedly not wearing a mask. Here he is in the Rose Garden today, maskless, while Dr. Deborah Burks and Dr. Anthony Fauci wore masks behind him. Here he is yesterday without a mask at a Pennsylvania medical supply company where just about everyone else had a mask on, for obvious reasons. And you can see the president just does not think masks are for him. He reportedly dislikes masks and thinks they suggest weakness. I just don't want to wear one myself. It's a recommendation. They recommend it. Uh, I'm feeling good. I don't know. Somehow, I don't see it for myself. I just, I just, uh, I won't be doing it personally. It's a recommendation. Okay? You might have noticed also that not wearing a mask has sort of become a weird kind of culture war virtue signaling uh, by Trump people. Like Congressman Louis Gohmert of Texas, who was seen on the House floor today, sitting in the back of the chamber and chatting with colleagues without wearing a mask. Or the people at their right-wing Open Up America rallies, like this one yesterday in Minnesota. Or the people who crowded into this Wisconsin bar right after the state Supreme Court struck down their stay-at-home order to celebrate. Or the guy that Trump actually retweeted attacking the, quote, commies in blue states and saying that people in Florida are all out at bars having a good time without masks on. Here's the thing. Uh, these people are, as we stress on the show often, very much a minority. Right now it remains the case. America continues to be sort of amazingly unified in the polling in wanting to go slowly and cautiously to make sure we have the virus under control as we try to reopen. And as for masks, in a recent poll, 81% of Americans say workers at open businesses should be required to wear them. 76% say customers should be required to wear masks as well. But for Donald Trump's own stated aims, for the stated aims of those protesters and all the right-wingers out there who think they are the ones, the vanguard of opening up America and getting American capitalism cracking again, there is nothing stupider, nothing more counterproductive you can do than turn not wearing a mask into some right-wing badge of honor the way that Rush Limbaugh did today when he mocked Dr. Fauci for wearing a mask at a White House event. Because the mask is your friend, Donald Trump, Rush Limbaugh, protesters. If the stated goal here is to open up the American economy, get people back to work, 
achieve some level of normalcy, something that we all desperately want, there is really good evidence that everyone wearing a mask can really help us in that project. Hong Kong, which is doing incredibly well, is telling the world that masks work. It has had only four known deaths total from the coronavirus, and people there have been able to continue to live their lives and do things like ride the subway and go to crowded restaurants. You see, they all wear masks there. They started masking immediately when the virus started emerging from Wuhan. Because the main way we know this virus is being transmitted is from droplets that are coming out of people's mouths when they talk and when they yell and when they sing and when they cough and when they breathe. And so if you wear a mask, you help keep those droplets away from other people, which is key because a lot of the transmission is asymptomatic. You don't know you're sick. And there's another way to explain it, actually, which was uh, in a meme that went viral, you might have seen, even tweeted out by the Philadelphia Department of Public Health. Uh, here it is, quote, if we all run around naked and someone pees on you, you get wet right away. If you are wearing pants, some of the pee will get through, but not as much, so you're better protected. But if the guy who pees also is wearing pants, the pee stays with him and you do not get wet. It's a pretty good way of putting it. Now, let me just say, I get why people do not want to wear a mask. I personally don't like wearing one. In case you haven't noticed, I wear glasses. It fogs up my glasses. I'm walking around in a fog haze. I'm also a little claustrophobic. I find it kind of claustrophobic, kind of annoying. But you know what? So what? In the grand theme scheme of things. I mean, right now we are facing a pandemic that has ravaged everyone's life, the country. It's killed 88,000 of our fellow citizens. It's shut down half the world. 35 million people are unemployed. We're all homeschooling our kids and not leaving the house. We're reckoning with all these terrible policy choices, agonizing. Should we open schools or not? And all these choices, they have these huge costs and, and, and sort of competing interests on either side, no matter what we do. The easiest, lowest hanging fruit to make things at least somewhat better, the smallest, most trivial thing is, let's all wear masks. Right? In that little vignette, you had Chris, a, Chris Hayes, CBS worrying about violence due to the lockdown, Seltzer talking about decency while he's being indecent, and of course Acosta ignoring the reality of what's really happening in the States. Really, CNN? Really? Do you even know what's happening outside of New York City? And that's the problem. You're all locked down because you're scared as fuck. And then when they're not doing just outright bullshit, then they're still doing panic porn. I present to you coronavirus Washington, D.C. story. This big surge is always two weeks away. The peak is always next month. Trust the expert. The big surge is definitely company. Brace for the impact. There are now more hospital beds available than active COVID cases. And over the last two weeks, D.C. estimates 93,000 will be infected with COVID. Peak in July. But before it was two weeks which was two weeks ago. This is kind of like climate change. I could read it. I don't need to. They're just moving the goalposts. They just keep... Dan, Danny Doan, moving the goalposts has been taken to a whole new level during the pandemic. And it's exactly like climate. Cooling, warming, change. 10 years, 50 years, 14. We're not supposed to have any fucking ice. I mean, what the fuck? And the very people that we're supposed to listen to are like this winner. New York health head rejected NYPD mass plea. I don't give two rats asses about your cops. Dr. Oxerus Barbo was made infamous when she told New Yorkers they were safe for the coronavirus. We played it. 
Remember her from the New York Post on February 2nd with the city first suspected coronavirus case under investigation and China death toll skyrocketing. Barbara touted upcoming Chinese New Year event. As we gear up to celebrate the Lunar New Year, I want to assure New Yorkers that there is no reason for anyone to change their holiday plans. Avoid the subway and certainly parts of the city because of coronavirus. In March... This is what she did. New York City health head rejected NYPD mass plea. I don't give two rats asses about your cops. From the New York Post, New York Health Commissioner blew off an urgent NYPD request for 500,000 surgical masks as a coronavirus crisis mounted, telling a high-ranking police officer, I don't give two rats asses about your cops. The Post learned Dr. Orx's Barbo made the heartless remark during a brief phone conversation late March with NYPD Chief of Department Terrence Monahan. Monahan asked Barbo, Barbot, whatever, 500,000 masks, but said she could only provide 50,000. I don't give two rats ass about your cops, she said. I need them for others. Classy. She's truly the epitome of a type of leadership respect in New York. It sure would be nice if the media could get off its lazy ass and ask de Blasio about this. Maybe also ask Cuomo why he packed COVID patients in nursing homes. Destructive chemistry said. Sick Semper Tyrannus. When will people wake up? How can anyone in NYPD vote Democrat? How does the union dare endorse them? Do they not realize Democratic politicians hate the police and turn the citizens against them? Fire her. Fire her boss. Deem Hamager. Mom placed in handcuffs after altercation with NYPD MTA over not fully wearing mask in Brooklyn subway station. Police say woman wouldn't listen, but wasn't arrested and charged, rather taken out of the station. I was going to play it. I'm not going to. There was another one where they broke a fucker's arm over a fucking face mask. A face mask. Wasn't wearing a face mask. Broke. The arm. De Blasio? How does he respond to all this? Face coverings are important to protect everybody. They're not optional, but no one wants to see an interaction turn into this. We've made progress to de-escalation. That isn't it. Here are four NYP transit cops from an NYPD tweet. The one's front center has his mask pulled down below his low, thus wearing it improperly, but nobody slammed him on his face. The maskless cops walked out with bagels in hand, got back in a van, and drove off. According to the witness, they went off to the bagel shop, which is obviously the mission. Brooklyn, N- Brooklyn NYPD priestly commanded to chastise for not wearing masks and coronavirus social distancing confrontation. Exactly what that guy just said. So, basically, cops, bad we're not going to support cops because that's what Democrats do. And the me- they don't even know they don't have enough fucking masks. So as you're criticizing one guy because he wasn't wearing his mask cor- correctly, they don't have enough masks to the force. And that's why there's so many fucking cases. It's what the left does. Facts fall away when you just want emotion. Tom Nichols. There's an interesting idea. As part of my voluntary exit from lockdown, I accept that I am prohibited from all COVID-19 related medical care, including hospital space. They're still doing that. Liberals all over the place are still on the, hey, if you don't want to lock down, you don't get a ventilator. You just die. And on conservative media, media and Twitter, the reality. It's old folks home, stupid. 
Janice Dean's in-law died of COVID-19 in a New York nursing-assisted living home. There are no words explaining how furious I am, grateful to the journalists who keep looking to the real-life nightmare so many families, including mine, are living through. New York admits knowingly undercounting nursing home deaths after quietly changing. New York nursing home scandal is even worse than previously known. My husband is still grieving about the loss of his parents, this virus. Both were in nursing assisted living homes. I'm trying to respect his wishes to not scream every day about it, but make no mistake, we want answers. There's no question their deaths were avoidable. If Governor Cuomo and his enablers on CNN think it's going away anytime soon, think again. We want answers. Should be demanded by every journal in the business. Eliza Stefanik, today I'm joined by New York GOP colleagues in the House to call for a federal investigation of Cuomo's failed nursing home policies. Now they admit they unethically changed the way they reported nursing home deaths. Inexcusable tragedy for New York. We need answers. Peter J. Hassan. New York quietly changes reporting rules to omit deaths from nursing home residents who died at the hospital or an ambulance. For the list of nursing home deaths, meaning if nursing home residents died 10 minutes after arriving in a hospital, it's not a nursing home death. And they did it on purpose because they knew they fucked it up. Of the nine states with the largest coronavirus outbreaks at long-term care facilities, New York is the only state that omits the deaths of nursing home residents who died at hospitals from its reporting as a result of the change. I wrote in this week's AG report about how media lack of scrutiny of Cuomo's policies has had deadly consequences. He put the most vulnerable New Yorkers in danger and no one called him on it. Now his admin is trying to hide the damage by false reporting and fake news. Evidence of the media failure, this is an article, have consequences, was clear this week. After finally facing some scrutiny from the national press, Cuomo suddenly reversed the rule he had implemented back on March 25th. In addition, Cuomo ordered the staff at nursing homes to be tested for COVID at least twice a week, given that the large plurality of COVID-19 deaths are occurring at such facilities. His original policy seemed to have been one of the most costly screw-ups during this crisis, and the lack of coverage until now clearly played a role in Cuomo not fixing these mistakes sooner, which was a costly delay for mainly elderly New Yorkers. He's the best, though. Andrew Kerr, New York is the only state with large coronavirus outbreaks in nursing homes that omits deaths. Jeffrey Ingersoll is becoming clearly every day that he's been leveraging his brother's position at CNN in order to use the network as a de facto PR tool. What did Cuomo say? New York Governor Cuomo says no one should be prosecuted for nursing home deaths. Governor says vulnerable people are going to die from this virus no matter what you do. Is he a grandma killer like Bethany Mandel? Is he? But they had time to bring Whitmer on again. So we'll take our first break and listen to Whitmer Say basically, I can be a fascist because I'm a fascist. And when we come in, we're going to start covering the damn wish list that the media also ignored. Because remember, the first stimulus, Republicans were blocking American people from getting their money. The next stimulus is just like H.R. 5177, the gun shit. It's just liberal fucking nonsense. 
So Whitmer, Barstool Politics, or Barstool Sports head, and he went viral this weekend. And then we will come in to Dem Wishlist. Governor, you know, I was really struck by the fact that you've described the protests as some of the worst racism and awful parts of our history. And you even said that there were swastikas, Confederate flags and nooses present. On a recent call, you asked Vice President Pence if he could discourage the protesters. Do you think you will get his support and given Trump's tweets to liberate Michigan, um, make a deal with protesters, do you feel the administration is helping fuel the fire here? Well, I do think that the the fact of the matter is these protests, um, it, you know, in a in a perverse way, make it likelier that we're going to have to stay in a stay home posture. The whole point of them, supposedly, is that they don't want to be doing that. And that's why I'm asking that everyone with a platform call on people to do the right thing. You know, they, these have been um these have been really political rallies where people come with Confederate flags and Nazi symbolism and and calling for violence. This is not uh, appropriate in a global pandemic, but it's certainly not an exercise of, of democratic principles where we have free speech. This is calls to violence. This is uh, racist and misogynistic. And I ask that everyone who has a platform uses it to call on people to observe the best practices promulgated by the CDC and to stop encouraging this behavior because it only makes it that much more precarious for us to try to re-engage our economy, which is what everyone says they want us to be able to do. Okay. Corona rant time. Whenever I do a Corona rant, half the people fucking hate me, half love me. We'll see where this one lands. What the fuck's going on? When did this become flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve to we have to find a cure or everyone's going to die? Like Fauci. Seems like a nice enough dude. I've always been a guy, no agenda. Looks like he could be maybe the grandfather in Wedding Crashers. Gets in front of the Senate. He's like, we reopen the country too quick. Everyone's dead. Where'd that come from? And the L.A. mayor, we're not open in the city till we find a cure. What? Find a cure? Who says we're going to find a cure? We haven't found a cure to cancer. It took AIDS 20 years or whatever. Do we even have a cure? So the economy just shut down? All we've heard forever, flatten the curve, flatten the curve, make sure there's hospital beds. We're there. Now all of a sudden it's like a 180. This is like taking a cross-country flight six hours. They tell you flight six hours. Five hours and a half go by, they get on the intercom like, oh, just kidding, we have another 10 hours. You can't do that. People have been mentally preparing. We're doing what you ask. We've done exactly what you said. Now you're changing the rules. And some states are open, some close. L.A. shutting down, New York shutting down, Arizona's opening, Florida's opening. Seems along political lines. What is going on? And what about people-owned businesses and economies and shit like that? You can't stay closed indefinitely. Imagine working for like... A year, five years, ten years, two decades, grinding your fingers to the bone to build the business. Barstool, thank God, will be all right. I'm talking about other businesses. People have jobs who've worked their whole fucking lives off to put food on the table, create a happy living. They're just going to go out of business? They're going to wake up whenever this thing ends, whenever uh, the mayors say, oh, you can go back to work? Work to what? Your company's going to be out of business. The economy's going to be in the shitter. There's going to be no jobs. How the fuck are you going to pay for your uh, your family, put food on the table, all that shit? Like, what are you doing? 
You got to give these people a choice. If you told me because of Corona, I lost Barstool, I had to go get a nine to five and start fucking over. I'd rather die of Corona, seriously, or at least take my chances. I'm not saying everybody would do that. I would. But if I've dedicated 20 years of my life, I don't want to start over. I'll fucking deal with Corona. You can't just make everybody stay inside and basically start over. It's insane. Like, what the fuck do they think is going to happen? At some level, we've done what you've asked us to do. If you're that scared still of Corona, stay inside. The beds are open. It doesn't kill everyone. I get it. It's not a great option. There are no great options. But you can't just decimate the entire economy. How the fuck is that going to work? We're staying inside till there's a cure? When did that become the game? Who said we're getting the cure? That's not a guarantee. So we're just done as humans? Get the hell out of here. There's risk. We're Americans. You have to take risk. If people want to go out, they can go out. If they want to stay in, they stay in. We've done what you've said. You can't just midstream be like, just kidding. Flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Uh uh. Cure. What? When did this happen? When did this happen? And it can't sustain. At least we have a chance if we go out with Corona, like Switzerland and those places that just let it roll. We have no chance if you don't let people go outside. This country is going to be donezo. No one's going to have jobs. No one's going to have businesses. It's going to be done. We're, it's over. Let me roll the dice and play with Corona, or at least give me the choice. That's all we want. Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reed. Move aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Move aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Tens of millions of Americans now out of work as the latest numbers are released this morning. There is a new warning about the potential for even more damage. NBC's Tom Costello has our report. House Democrats are hoping to vote on a new $3 trillion package. That includes money for state and local governments, extends unemployment benefits beyond July, along with new direct payments for American families. President Trump saying that's not going to happen. DOA. Right? Okay. DOA. Dead on arrival. Of course, Nancy Pelosi knows that. House Democrats have already put forward another $3 trillion stimulus plan, but Republicans have already said it is dead on arrival. House Democrats unveil a $3 trillion stimulus bill, the largest price tag ever, with more checks for Americans. But Republicans are balking. Will they compromise? And the chair of the Federal Reserve issuing that urgent warning of lasting economic damage. So our Rebecca Jarvis joins us with the latest on all that. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Robin. That's right. Jobs are the additional casualty of this pandemic crisis across the country. And the Fed chair is now warning that if Washington does not act with additional stimulus, the impacts of this economic decline will be long lasting. Amid the unprecedented economic crunch, House Democrats unveiling a new stimulus bill with the largest price tag ever. Three trillion dollars, including another round of direct payments to Americans totaling up to six thousand per household. And the House is set to vote on that bill on Friday. Republican leaders in the Senate have already vowed to block it. The House gave themselves no assignments for two months except developing this proposal. 
Yet it still reads like the Speaker of the House pasted together some random ideas from most liberal members and slapped the word coronavirus on top of it. An unserious product from an unserious House majority that has spent months dealing itself out of the crisis. Net skip radical tidbits and three trillion stimulus packets. All three of the morning news shows on Alphabet Soup Networks mentioned the House Democrats and availed a three trillion stimulus packages include economic relief for Americans facing economic hardship because of coronavirus. All three reports made sure to mention that Trump and Republicans had vowed to block them. None of the reporters mentioned that radical provisions in the bill, some of which have nothing to do with coronavirus, are the reasons why they're going to do it. They're poison pills. They did it on purpose. Appearing on Thursday's uh, edition of NBC Today, reporter Tom Costello started the House Democrats open to vote on a $3 trillion package to include money for state and local governments, extended unemployment benefits, blah, 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 nothing about it. Uh, Trump, uh, trans, uh, Costello transitioned into condemning President Trump for refusing to accept Nancy Pelosi's plan for anything that Trump called it dead on arrival, Costello refused to explain why Trump wouldn't support it because, you know, once again, we don't do this. Every time Republican led under Obama put a poison pill, Chuck Toad and company were on the case. <clears throat> so, why in here, election measures that would change election law? Use federal money to bail out blue states and give stimulus checks to illegal immigrants. That dead time is me cursing. Just insert a whole bunch of curse, curse, curse. Curse, 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 curse. Curse, curse, curse. What did the New York Times do? Penn's new Republicans will cave story, resistance unsustainable, that they would eventually have to approve voting from home, illegal fucking immigrants getting cash flow. It's just going to happen because they run the House. This is what's good for America because it's the New York Times and they believe all illegal immigrants should get money anyway. So you really don't have a media outlet that's actually a... Is that the right thing? What does America think? There's no polls. They're not going to run any polls. So I could go on forever on that, but I'm not going to. It'll play out over the next couple of weeks. I will guarantee you the media will set it up as Republicans are fucking American people, even though it's not about the American people. They're not going to talk a lot about the illegal immigrants because nobody can come on and talk on a normal network who's a Republican. They're not going to talk about fucking voting from home and that most Americans ain't down with it. No. Or that Wisconsin literally did vote during the pandemic and there wasn't an outbreak. So we're going to move on. I had a CNN bias. It was uh, them playing Chinese propaganda, lemon scolding people. New York Times reporter brought on, and he was so biased, his paper said he needed to back it off, Chuck. But I won't for time. Because do we really need to listen to it when we can just go straight in to Flynn? So we're going to do CNN's Flynn, which, once again, well, you know, let's do this first. I'm going to play... Some two people from MSNBC. 
One was a Republican who was on the McCain campaign who said the Flynn scandal is like believing in the tooth fairy. And Stephanie Rule, who's brought on the Today Show every day as some kind of financial expert, saying that it's fucking completely made up. Yeah. And now for our Friday fact check. The president is calling it Obamagate, accusing President Obama and former Vice President Joe Biden of conspiring against Michael Flynn. But our own NBC investigation this week, as well as new reporting today in the Washington Post and the New York Times, prove that is not true. This week, President Trump's acting director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell, declassified and turned over to the Department of Justice a list of Obama administration officials, including Obama and Biden, who had asked for the identity of the person who had been overheard on intercepts talking to the Russian ambassador after the November election. That person was Flynn. While the president and his supporters are claiming that such a request was part of a conspiracy to frame Flynn, in fact, those requests are routine. They're common. They occur thousands of times every year, including this year. Andrea, you're characterizing correctly. I was in the preceding meeting, which is a briefing about the investigation into Russian interference in our election, which was briefed to Congress and released publicly as well. This was a short follow-on meeting to really answer the very specific question you point to, which is, could we be comfortable sharing sensitive information? It was not at all about giving any guidance or direction whatsoever as it related to law enforcement matters. We didn't do that in the Obama administration, unlike the Trump administration, which has wildly politicized the Department of Justice, most acutely in letting off the hook somebody who literally pled guilty to lying to the government about his contacts with the Russian ambassador that was causing concern in the first place. This morning, nearly 86,000 Americans have died from coronavirus. More than 36 million have lost their jobs in the last eight weeks. But the president and his allies are laser-focused on a different story, one they completely made up, something that they now aren't calling Obamagate. It means nothing. The president has called it the greatest political crime in our country's history, but it's not. Ken, this word is used over and over again in this case, unmasking. Can you explain yeah. why unmasking a source would be necessary and talk to us about how routine this is? It's absolutely routine, customary, and legal, Stephanie. There's a procedure called unmasking if a senior official believes they need to know the name of that American to better understand the intelligence. And you can imagine the, nece the necessity for this across Many examples. For example, in a terrorism case, if a foreign terrorist is talking to an American, the idea that this is a scandal, Stephanie, is just absurd. I didn't even want to give one ounce of breath or attention to this. But the issue is the truth matters, but only if you hear it. And millions of Americans are not hearing the truth. I want to share just a snippet of how Fox News has gone all in on this completely nonsense story. We learned a lot more about the corruption that spawned the Russia hoax that consumed three years of this country's time. No, we didn't. But millions of good Americans are watching that. You're absolutely right. Millions are watching it. And, and I laugh because the coverage you just showed from Fox is so absurd. But it, it, it's actually no laughing matter because so many uh, members of that Fox News audience are actually believing what they see. It's quite obvious, I think, to to anyone who thinks about it, that they're they're scraping the bottom of the well here when it comes to looking for conspiracy theories about about the president and about a sort of deep state effort to uh, 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 to basically undermine Trump's president. So that's pretty much what sums up the coverage. 
This is what we've done to Flynn. Remember, we did this on every Obama scandal. This is exactly what the media said. It is fake. It is not real. This is just partisan politics. Everything on Trump. I mean, I could play the smoking gun thing again. I can play the walls are closing in. I can do all that for the last four fucking years that everything was a scandal. It was impeachable. So much so that they got an impeachment on bullshit. I can play the... It's a hoax on the pandemic. I can play all race... All fucking Mexicans are race... Everything was legit. But CNN and MSNBC were fucking in overdrive. This is long, but that's okay. Here's them covering Flem on CNN. You'll hear a little fucking exclaimer. I'm going to pick something like die motherfuckers. And then CNN and MSNBC. If you got a scandal on Trump, do you bring Trump on? Are Trump officials? No. But if you have a scandal on Obama, who do you bring on? <laughs> yeah, you guessed it. Matt in Oregon, you get a cookie. You bring Obama officials to come on and say it's bullshit. Okay, so asking for names, nothing wrong with that. Unmasking in and of itself, nothing wrong with that. Leaking classified information, and by definition, these phone calls were classified. That's a problem, correct? Uh, absolutely, it is. Um, and if anyone did leak the contents of these conversations, with or without the name, that would be a problem, yes? Uh, we've lost the shot. I wonder if we can at least get him on the phone to finish this. Let's try to get Director Clapper back. All right, we're going to work. We're going to work on getting that shot back. But uh, joining me now is Jeffrey Tubin. Well, I, I think you know the the problem is that this the, the the virus has been politicized, and you know you you have Democrats believing in science and believing in. Um, the the, uh, the the need to listen to people like Sanjay and the and Dr. Bright, who's going to testify, and and you have Republicans who are looking at this. It seems to me through an ideal ideological lens that you know is about hostility to government, disbelief in science, and government's just got to come down on one side or the other. That either you are with science or you are not. And um, if people have to stay home and if there's economic suffering, as, the, as there clearly is, that's a price we're going to have to pay so thousands more people don't die. I mean, that's I mean, I don't, no one wants this, but the, the, there is either response to the real world or there is fantasy about what you want the world to be. And it seems to me between those two choices, you've got to go with the former. What a great case officer. Uh, Vladimir Putin is. He knows how to handle uh, an asset, and that's what he's doing with the president. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. The Russians gave help, and the president made full use of that help. And that is pretty damning. The top Democrat on the Intelligence Committee is warning today that there is already evidence that the Trump campaign colluded. Adam Schiff, the top Democrat, saying there is significant evidence of collusion. Adam Schiff saying there is, quote, significant evidence of collusion. According to Congressman Adam Schiff, who attended the hearing today, President Trump and Trump Jr. had a conversation. This is something that Adam Schiff, the ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee, brought up today. We heard from Adam Schiff. According to Schiff, well, here's uh, Adam Schiff. As soon as Adam Schiff and company walk out of that 
closed-door hearing, let us know. The former DNI director, James Clapper, and John Brennan, they all talked about seeing communications, meetings that was concerning them. And this now backs up some of what they've been saying all along. James Clapper, uh, who knows uh, more about all of this than, than, than almost anyone out there. General Clapper and Director Brennan on the show just a few minutes ago uh, saying that they think that President Trump is being played by Putin. Reasonable to ask if he could be working on behalf of Russian interests and not the U.S.'s? Well, it's a reasonable question. Former acting FBI Director Andrew McCabe listened to what he said when asked whether he thinks President Trump could be a Russian asset. It's possible. I think that's why we started our investigation. Andrew McCabe, I asked him that question. He said, I think it's possible. It's possible? That is a remarkable statement for a top intelligence official to make. The FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, I mean, they've all said this. So to believe that that's wrong, you have to believe they're all involved in an elaborate conspiracy to get Donald Trump, which seems a little far-fetched to me. Motherfuckers, thank y'all run everything. Motherfucker, 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 we had the Russians clearly interfering in a U.S. election, attacking our democracy. Russians were talking to senior Americans, and it was incumbent on the people responsible for defending the country to understand who are the Russians talking to. It was a very, uh, I think, well-overseen process. And this is not a scandal any more than Berthergate was. I mean, let's face it, Trump began his political career with a lie about Barack Obama, that he wasn't born in the United States. And this is just an extension of that. There's absolutely nothing here. And it's only a matter of time, I suspect, before we're hearing lock him up chants at future President Trump rallies over this, this scandal that the president has invented here. And now for our Friday fact check. The president is calling it Obamagate, accusing President Obama and former Vice President Joe Biden of conspiring against Michael Flynn. But our own NBC investigation this week, as well as new reporting today in the Washington Post and the New York Times, prove that is not true. This week, President Trump's acting director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell, declassified and turned over to the Department of Justice a list of Obama administration officials, including Obama and Biden, who had asked for the identity of the person who had been overheard on intercepts talking to the Russian ambassador after the November election. That person was Flynn. While the president and his supporters are claiming that such a request was part of a conspiracy to frame Flynn, in fact, those requests are routine. They're common. They occur thousands of times every year, including this year. Andrea, you're characterizing correctly. I was in the preceding meeting, which is a briefing about the investigation into Russian interference in our election, which was briefed to Congress and released publicly as well. This was a short follow-on meeting to really answer the very specific question you point to, which is, could we be comfortable sharing sensitive information? It was not at all about giving any guidance or direction whatsoever as it related to law enforcement matters 
We didn't do that in the Obama administration, unlike the Trump administration, which has wildly politicized the Department of Justice, most acutely in letting off the hook somebody who literally pled guilty to lying to the government about his contacts with the Russian ambassador that was causing concern in the first place. Rob, you know, President Trump is also now pushing this new Obama conspiracy theory that he's mm-hmm. dubbed Obamagate. And apparently the theory seems to be that President Obama and his top officials targeted then National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and others in an effort to somehow sabotage Trump's presidency as if he hasn't done that for himself. But is this yet another tactic to um, distract from the COVID crisis? Mm-hmm. Since it's also true that not only did President Obama tell Trump not to hire Flynn, Flynn himself pled guilty to a felony charge to lying to the FBI. Okay, look, I went through two different times of being uh, interviewed by the FBI, once for President Clinton and then the highest security clearance as chief of staff for President Obama. There's a rule when it comes to the FBI interview. You lie, you die. Simple rule. He lied, and he acknowledged it three times. And President Trump, on December 2nd, 2017, tweeted out, I fired him because he lied. A jury of one, the president, fired him because he lied. Now, look, you have two choices. Tell the truth or lie. U.S. history for 200. He picked lying. He could have told the truth, and this would have all been gone away. He lied not only to the FBI. He lied to uh, Vice President Pence, and President Trump fired him for lying. And then he's also said it not once, but three separate times to the judge. And now the whole legal system is on um, trial here about whether we have a system of laws. And I just think that this is an attempt, again, to airbrush out of history, uh, and airbrush the fact is you had somebody who was uh, uh, lied about his contacts to the Russians. And Trump, whenever it comes to Russia, everything about him comes exposed. And it's being exposed. He gets really nervous when people understand his relationships with Russia and also assert a people around him we're in co- constant conversation with one of America's major adversaries around the globe who are undermining America's leadership. Yeah. And not to forget, once again, you can't put the point on too strongly. You fired him because he lied. You said it, sir. What the fuck, man? What the fuck? And then articles start coming out about James Clapper, and he does a bizarre interview. He was in there briefly and he, he goes off, and then he comes back, and they say it's, it looks just fucking crazy that he didn't lie, but it looks like he did. And then Sean Davis, seven unmasking requests by Samantha Powers, just for Michael Flynn, seven. Obama, U.N. ambassador, repeatedly swore under oath that she never sought to unmask Michael Flynn. If that's true, how did Samantha Power name show up on a list of officials who unmasked Flynn, and why did the list show her unmasking Flynn seven times? I could list it, but it's seven times. They asked to unmask all his kids. They They unmasked all sorts of people. Illegally. There was no justification for anything they did. Replies. She lied. Now bankrupt to prosecutor. Flynn can have her house because the truth and Samantha Powers are strangers. Billy Boy. 
I'd love to read through the actual masking request. Names are great, but I'd like to see their reasoning. Answer, A, Samantha Power lied through her teeth. B, someone committed criminal fraud by submitting unmasking requests under her name. That's possible. Those are two answers. But uh, is our media covering it? No. I could go on and on. She committed perjury. She committed also. There's people replying that what the, the, the left forgets is most conservatives are read in. They paid attention because they were the people the whole time saying this is bullshit. This would never happen under Obama. How do they think they could wipe this away? Brian Williams brings Brennan on. Listen to what this fucking piece of shit who got fired for lying had the gall to say. Security and intelligence analyst on this network. Director Brennan, um, I note that Fox News has turned over the equivalent of hours of its programming to what they're calling this unmasking for people just coming to it, for people who may encounter this PR effort. Can you once and for all explain to people what it is they're seeing? Well, uh, good to see you, Brian. And what they're seeing right now is the politicization of the intelligence community and an effort by the Trump administration, as you said, to divert um, attention from the um, – sorry <laughs> – uh, from the ongoing COVID <laughs> crisis. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and uh, let's illustrate what unmasking is. The National Security Agency, which is responsible for collecting intercepted communications and then pushing them out to the intelligence community, the NSL professionals, when they see these intercepts of national security value, they distribute these reports. And if there's a U.S. person's name in it, they will conceal that name for privacy purposes as well as for counterintelligence investigative purposes. So the report will say something like U.S. person number one, U.S. person number two, U.S. person number three. When these reports are sent out, there are individuals within the government who have the authority and responsibility to find out who might be engaged in discussions with foreign government officials, whether they be intelligence officers or foreign government officials or whomever. And so there have been thousands upon thousands of cases in this current administration where there have been unmasking of these names, which means that the individuals with the proper clearances can request the identity of the individual who was engaged in some conversation that was collected in this intercept. And so, therefore, it doesn't mean that they can be declassified. It doesn't mean that they, you know, it's going to be revealed publicly. It just means that the people in the positions of authority and responsibility in fact, are going to have the ability to understand who might be involved in these very sensitive conversations that could, in fact, be designed to undermine our security. So when I've heard some of the comments today by, like, Senator Paul, whose comments, he has no understanding of the intelligence profession, and he makes these inane comments that really misrepresent the facts. And so I'm, I'm sure Fox News and others right now are engaged uh, to try to besmirch the reputations of a lot of people within the Obama administration who were doing their, carrying out their responsibilities uh, the way they should have. The Fox viewer, the uninformed Fox viewer, this is a subject they won't even cover. 
if they cover, they bring on Obama people to tell you that it's all bullshit. So how is that covering? Do you think anybody on CNN knows that Samantha Power, who said that she never asked for unmasking, asked to unmask seven times? Do you think anybody on CNN actually has talked about that they unmasked Trump's kids? They unmasked everything? Inside the media's desperate cover-up for Obamagate. An article. I already showed you it all. This is what they're doing. It is full court press. The PR campaign of the left, they don't even need to answer questions. They're not even at. Do you think Nancy Pelosi's asked questions about this? Do you think Obama's been asked questions about this? The only people that have been asked questions about this are the people that perpetrated the crime. Clapper, Brennan, Powers, Ben Rhodes. And they're giving softballs, just T-ball. Here, say it's all a lie. Obama literally could have fucking murdered people. These people would never, ever report it. That's the projection about Trump. His followers, it doesn't matter what he does. He joked about shooting somebody on Fifth Avenue. That's disgusting, but they fucking literally will let this man do anything. That's you with Obama. That's you. I mean, I got sound bites I could play of two fucking people, I'm a poor and good one, cheering about higher taxes. MSDNC literally pushing China propaganda, and then another Mitchell soundbite about the xenophobia as they basically carry water for China. And the worst one was on Telemundo, where they literally were upset that coyotes... I haven't financial times because nobody wants to go to America during a COVID crisis. I mean, that's what they do. But this is our media. Our media doesn't like journalists who report facts. They're just supposed to push the talking points and the propaganda and assist Democrats in getting elected. CBS reporter driving Democrats crazy because she came from Fox. So this is all Catherine Heritage. Right up front, they can't stand her. Then, new CBS reporter driving Democrats and some of her own colleagues crazy. Catherine Heritage work believing this is, um. let's read the whole thing. Since jumping from Fox to CBS last year, journalist Catherine Heritage has frustrated Democrats and some of her own co-workers are worried she pushes GOP talking points. The Beasties offered this summary on Twitter. Democrats on Capitol Hill have grown particularly irked by Catherine Heritage's work because she's become a de facto clearinghouse for conservative conspiracy theorists who want to give their material the veneer of mainstream objectivity. CBS, the veneer of mainstream objectivity. Yeah, that doesn't go together. <clears throat> Um, some staff are privately grumble that she gives the network the appearance of a partisan political bias. Personally, I had a few of my other colleagues are really frustrated because we thought she wanted to come to CBS to do real news, not GOP talking points. But she's just doing more of the same stuff, one insider said. They're so in the bubble, they don't know that that's what they do for the DNC. They are that fucking brainwashed. Several staffers noted how Fox News editorial standards are different than the button-up traditional. Oh, really? 
CBS, then we find out, um, but at CBS you are given the imp- imprepator of neutrality and that of serious news organization. Tanya Metz Heritage has been careful to never cross the line to overt advocacy and quote CBS officials praising her work, but it's not hard to imagine the Heritage finding herself to be new version of Cheryl Atkinson, where many stories are sidelined in internet to the internet because they're too upsetting for liberals to grant the neutrality. It's also happening on internal email list. Heritage and other CBS reporters have debated politely over the meaning of the new revelations about the FISA story, and some of Heritage's stories have been relegated from television to CBS online only. Um, according to one person with knowledge, CBS News bumped part of her interview with former National Security Council official Kesh Patel to its digital streaming platform amid some concern that the initial segment didn't have enough opposing voices. According to multiple network insiders, many of the FISA scoops she shared internally haven't made it to the air because they're too in the weeds for the evening news, also known as It Hurts Obama. So where are people fighting for her? Where are media firefighters? Almost seem like there's a total blackout on Catherine Heritage Flynn unmasking scoop. It's been two hours since Heritage broke the unmasking news. CNN seems to fi- hasn't found a place for it on the web. Even worse, CBS not even promoting their own reporter's scoop. That story went nowhere. Nobody covered it because they didn't want to. Next article. Nothing to see here. Just a coordinated attack on a journalist by Dems because they hate that CBS is covering Obamagate. Jerry Dunleavy, nothing to see here, just coordinated attack on journalists by Democratic presidential campaign and Democrats in Congress because they hate that CBS News is covering developments like FISA, John Durham, Russia, disinformation to steel dossier, HBSCI transcripts, Flynn and unmasking. Scoop. Catherine Heritage is a partisan right-wing hack. Read it last podcast. Actual article from The Hill. Democrats on Capitol Hill have grown particularly irked by Catherine Heritage's work. The Daily Beast. Democrat, I was, yeah, it was Democrat, it was the Daily Beast, not the Hill. Democrats on Capitol Hill have grown particularly irked by Catherine Heritage's work, believing she became a de facto clearinghouse, blah, 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 blah. When Attorney General Barr wanted to defend a decision that thousands of Department of Justice alumni called indefensible, he knew just the reporter to turn to. Her! Glenn Greenwald. There's a vanishing, Vanishingly small number of journalists and mainstream TV and print outlets who don't feed at the same trough of official sources of groupthink. Heritage is one, therefore following the lead of Biden campaign attack on her, she now must be destroyed. There was more diversity of thought and opinion and more questioning of orthodoxies at the standard 1975 Politburo meeting than there is at U.S. cable outlets in the largest papers. That is so true. How many Russiagate conspiracy theorists were ever challenged or questioned on CNN or MSNBC that all were false. One of the many problems with the U.S. media is that as jobs disappear, young journalists are increasingly deterred from questioning or challenging prevailing media narratives because it can be a career destroyer. The overwhelming incentive is to affirm media pieties or stay quiet. Yesterday, I watched Dems attack the program we produced an accompanying article on new docs showing the sham prosecution of Flynn by insisting unmasking is routine. The program never mentioned unmasking. They were attacking show they hadn't watched, but the more important point is these Dems saw a reference 
reference to new documents about Flynn in the article headline and assumed it was about unmasking because the cable shows they watched never told them about the explosive new docs incriminating Russiagate. Literal statement. She sat down at our lunch table and we think she's a bitch. Catherine Heritage still on her own. CBS finally puts out a statement. Days later, Catherine is deeply sourced reporter, has worked the national security beat for two decades, and just last week secured one of the biggest network interviews with Attorney General William Barr, which was cited by national and international outlets. This is the kind of aggressive reporting we plot on CBS. It goes so well with this. BuzzFeed News Union. Losing a newsroom job now isn't just a temporary setback. For many colleagues let go, this could be the end of their career in journalism. All the most calamitous when the work journalists do has never been more important. Vanessa Wong from BuzzFeed. Since the last recession, 30,000 journalism jobs have vanished. Journalists laid off today will likely be unemployed for months and likely by necessity have to find employment in other fields. A layoff now would effectively end a career in journalism. We have to save jobs. American Pearl RN. Most of us are glad that you'll get to, to experience some of the pain of those who haven't been able to work at home and still get paid. Perhaps you'll learn a little empathy for those who don't have your advantage. I seriously doubt it, but I hope I'm wrong. Other replies. Java, bro, learn to fucking code. Interesting how this matters to you now as opposed to after the 30 million people lost their jobs over a fucking ridiculous lockdown. I was told complaining about losing your job during coronavirus pandemic was selfish, greedy, and evil. The same thing. You want people to die. Are you a grandma killer? Wonder how many of those 30,000 kept telling us to stay home and save lives. I'm trying to feel bad, but they have been consistently trying to scare the public. What was it that one of your peers once said to me after I was laid out out of work for 18 months? Learn to code. When it's about your job, it's a crisis. But screw all those other people who have been out of work for two months. To will a mockingbird, I love his handle. Millions of people have lost their job in countless other fields. Their jobs mattered as well. But anyone who dared bring that up was accused of grant killing grandma or being told that it was just the new normal. Honest question. Did you give a shit about any of those people? And no, they didn't. Cuomo. The media literally thought this was great. Cuomo to struggling unemployed. You want to go to work? Go take a job as an essential worker. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. Ricardo Velasquez. I'm a journalist. So are millions of other randos with Twitter accounts speaking the truth. These people have laid off aren't journalists. They're professional activists. Good riddance. Gosh. Maybe now that they aren't getting a paycheck, they'll see that pushing panic porn is destroying the social fabric of this country. Your friendly neighbor crazy. You just want grandma to die. That's what they all said. And lastly, 
I, it would help if the public trusted you guys. Unemployment's at 14%. Businesses are folding. There are food shortage and cities are locking people in their homes for another three months. But let's focus on the real victims here. It's all about journalists. I can feel compassion for the pain of job loss while also acknowledging if there is any industry that America deserves a respite from, it's clickbait journalism. Let a cleansing fire burn through it all. And just to put insult to injury, no national news has covered the following soundbite. Violating my lease. So yet another agency that was coming and threatening me and intimidating me. And if you can possibly believe this, on May 7th, Child Protective Services showed up at my home They questioned my husband and I. They questioned my child without me present. They searched our home. And I've never expected such a violent, aggressive, vindictive thing could ever have been done to me or my family. Because I'm trying to earn a living, because I'm trying to work. The beginning of the article I got this from says, we don't know how to break it to Jake Tapper that he works for CNN. I saw this tweet because I follow him. These two tweets, we have doubts about him. President Trump and his team are launching an unprecedented smear campaign against rivals, leveling wild and false accusation against critics of the media and politics, and ranging... From bizarre conspiracy theories to spreading lies about pedophilia and even murder. These smear campaigns are unmoored from reality. They're deranged and indecent and seem designed at least in part to distract us from the horrific death, health, and economic crisis caused by the pandemic. The pandemic which impacts you is what we will continue to focus on. I'm not even going to read the replies to this. I can just say it pretty much. What have we done since Mother fucking November 9th, 2016. And then, what did Obama do? What did every media do? They waited and released the fucking grab the pussy right before the election, on purpose. There has been nothing but bullshit accusations, and I'm not even a Trump supporter. I don't support Trump. I voted against Hillary. That's all I did. I didn't vote for him because he was the best candidate. I didn't do any of that shit. But what have we done? What has it been like? Non-stop smoking guns. Two scoops of ice cream. They don't know where the fucking light switches are. He did this, he said that, he called it a hoax, he blah, blah, blah. It is non-fucking-stop. It never, ever relents. It has been going on since the moment he got elected. Democrats not only smeared him, smeared his daughter, smeared his wife, smeared his little son, smeared both his fucking older sons, but then they went out and they smeared his fucking voters.
the voters for four fucking years. And CNN led the goddamn pack on it. Dawn, stop! But he goes into campaign mode, which you've been on, Jake Tapper and CNN's been on, and the Democratic National Committee's been on, and Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters and Schiff's been lying his ass off, and Schumer's flipped on every fucking principle ever held. You have been doing this since goddamn 2015. It has never stopped. Ever. Nothing. There's been nothing. And it comes back because he did some ads. Here's one of them. Is any of this false? 在华府半个世纪期间，拜登对中国表现出色。年复一年，拜登支持了伟大的扼杀就业的贸易协议。拜登仍然以某种方式给了我们交易通行证。They're not bad folks, folks. 当我们十几万个工作离开了宾夕法尼亚州的时候，拜登为中国干杯。拜登是我们在华府四十七年的人。拜登是我们在华府半个世纪的人。America first action is responsible for the content of this advertising. <laughs> I played it on purpose. It's an ad basically in Chinese about how he supported the Chinese fucking propaganda and his links to China. None of that's false. It's subtitled in English. It's not false. That's what he's done. That's what CNN's done. That's what MSNBC's done. That's what WHO did. That's what the CDC did. That's what all these experts. Fauci did it. Brinks did it. They all parroted Chinese bullshit. And our news of social media nuggets today on the This Is America, the linkage to China and our colleges, and another guy got fucking fired and arrested for Chinese infiltration and the propaganda the media has been pushing out of China. Because once again, anybody's better than Trump. And the only sound bites I can produce about Tara Reid, because I'm not going to read all the, she's a horrible person, I'm not reading these articles. They've just gone after on every fucking level. Are two women. Two women. Stacey Abrams and her fucking, his racist, race hustler campaign manager. And the reality is that this did not happen. This allegation did not happen. But Vice President Biden went on to say and continues to say that his knowledge that this did not happen has done nothing to shake his belief and his unwavering commitment that women deserve to be heard. Even in this case, women deserve to come forward and have their stories told, have their claims taken seriously, and have them looked into. And at the end of the day, what matters is the truth. And the truth in this situation is it didn't happen. It doesn't matter. I believe Christine Ford because the, no, because when you, to come forward, she has no, um, there's no enticements for her to come forward and to have her life destroyed, to have folks sit on panels such as these and even others and have the, the Senate, the leader in the Senate, uh, basically tear down her character and assert that she's a liar. So there's no incentive for her to come forward except to tell the truth, except to do her due diligence. And so this isn't a criminal proceeding. I believe something this is, okay. So I want to begin this with a question to Joe Biden, because uh, Stacey Abrams is here because Joe Biden invited Stacey Abrams to be here. Uh, and so, uh, Mr. Vice President, uh, do you have an announcement to make? Uh, is this an audition? Is there uh, what is the reason that, that you decided it's time for me to get on TV with Stacey Abrams? 
Well, because Stacey Abrams has done more to deal with uh, the fair vote and making sure there is a fair vote than anybody. And she's, she has a great, great capacity to explain things and to lay out exactly why it's going to be so critically important in this election. This president's already said when they put in the stimulus package the Congress first passed money to provide for mail-in ballots, he already said, I'm not for that if we do that. Well, no, no Republican will ever win or something to that effect. He's made it clear this is a guy who said he wants to defund the post office from being able to deliver ballots. I mean, so Stacy knows what she's doing, and, uh, and she's an incredibly capable person. Believe all women except for that lying bitch is not me too. You taught me that during Kavanaugh. I was told that we must believe all women. Women never lie, except when it's a Democrat. They're fucking trash. So, we're going to go out with a great soundbite by Gutfeld for our music and go straight in to news, social media nuggets. A new poll on the reliability of journalists comes from Pew, which makes sense because it stinks for the press. Less than half of Americans have a great deal of confidence in them. I wonder why. The beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. He's got to know his future looks like it's behind bars. It's clear that Mueller is now connecting the dots between a massive obstruction intended to hide the truth. And that this cloud about collusion with Russia will hang over him no matter where he stands. The president sees the walls closing in and is lashing out. The presidency is effectively a Russian op. But the numbers would have been worse were it not for Fox News. The reason? We're awesome. Which is why the other guys hate us so much. It seems like other cable networks exist just to watch Fox. Fox News. Fox News. Fox News. What if we stopped working? CNN would have to actually cover news. But then who could they blame everything on? Right, Chris? Everyone around him has a mask on. Now, he does it because he wants to keep up the Fox farce, this BS that COVID-19 is overrated. I guess the anti-elitists over there are okay with 10,000 more dead. Ugh, what a child. So this guy has the gall to blame us for future death. What about death that already happened, i.e. the actual thousands in rest homes he failed to ask his bro about because he had other things on his mind? Do you think that you are an attractive person now? Because you're single and ready to mingle? The polls suggest the media doesn't act on behalf of the public, probably because they hate the public. The press is overeducated, cloistered, far removed from people who actually make things. Their idea of slumming it is non-organic quinoa. The fact is, we know the media is broken, and the only entity not reporting it is the media. We need a 12-step program for the press. The first one would be to buy them a mirror. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reid. Who are you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that meets your host 
lose his mind. each of you individually. If I don't admit that it was me, she's gonna fire everyone. It's obvious we need our own spaces. Obviously. Thank you for letting me stay here. It doesn't have to be temporary. FYI, don't date another lawyer if you can help it. Take it easy with that knife. What are you doing here? Thought you didn't live here anymore. You can schedule an appointment with my assistant. I'm not having everyone thinking once again that I couldn't cut it. That's so hot. I won't let them break me or silence me. Well, I jumped the gun today on the gay shit intro because I forgot I did have some college. So let's do a few college things and then we'll play our first gay shit soundbite. Trump supporting students says Columbia professor told him to drop dead. Columbia University is facing backlash after a professor told a student to drop dead in a heated Facebook exchange. The student, Gabriel Montavo, attends a different university but sent an email Tuesday Columbia with a screenshot of expletive. Jeffrey Lax, deputy chair of Columbia's political science department, sought out Montavo in a comment section of a cartoon that criticized Trump handling the coronavirus pandemic. He accused the president of murdering his own people, calling Montavo a neo-Nazi enabler, a neo-Nazi murder lover for defending Trump's action during the pandemic. In other comments, the professor claimed that supporters of the president always strut around with neo-Nazi armbands. How stupid or racist or evil do you have to be to defend the POTUS at this point? When Montavo objected to his accusation, Lax told him to drop dead. Actual quote here. I don't know. Uh, let's do the whole thing. Um, Gabriel Montavo. People choose what they want to see and everyone has an opinion. Doesn't help that it's a constant bash POTUS with a side of Italian hospital footage. And then this lax guy. Bash the president murdering his own people through lies and actively horrible choices. That wasn't good enough, so we went back again. And these are all individual. That's how out of... This is how out of fucking control liberals are on the net and they get away with it if you did this like this liberal did on facebook the board's taking you down bro bro you're gonna take a ride um that cartoon is horribly inaccurate though he's actually confiscating the equipment they need for the surgery after states had to bid to get into the first place how stupid or racist or evil do you have to be to defend potus I didn't know he was murdering his own people like you claim. I was reminding myself about the time the New York City Health Commissioner, Nancy Pelosi, to go outside and enjoy the Lunar New Year Festival, or about the time the President made a State of the Union address which made mention of the measure being taken, but were ultimately ripped up by the opposition and to when the President donated his salary to research. Whoa! 
Are you claiming Trump didn't lie and cover up? You're claiming Pelosi and then some policies of Trump's are opposed to ripping up the racist bullshit speech, and you don't know how he's cashing in on the presidency? Why don't you just drop dead, you neo-Nazi enabler? I'm not going to debate someone obviously lying about what happened. I'm just shocked anyone decent should, knowing someone is evil and defend Trump, his actions, it's all blurry. And, and he goes on neo-Nazi, all that shit. That, once again, they're not going to do anything because they're going to say, um, you know, freedom of speech, not against our social media. Our, our social media policies in all our colleges are just, if you speak conservative, you're fired. If you defend gun ownership, if you don't want illegal aliens to get everything, yeah, you're fired. Brandon Straka, Columbia USU professor, tells a Hispanic Trump supporter to go die and call Trump supporters neo-Nazi murderer lovers and Nazi enablers. This guy is educating American youth in poli-sci, no less. And that's the best part of this. I see this at least once a week. They don't have a picture up and they think they're whiteies. So you're calling a Hispanic dude a neo-Nazi. Really? Yeah, but that's that's their go-to. The go-to is you're a Nazi if you don't think like us. That They've been doing it since Reagan, so they'll keep doing it. School apologizes after a media firestorm. You heard the word media. Over professor's Islamophobic test question, the chancellor of Arizona Community College District issued apology money Monday to a professor. This comes after a campaign, a campaign pressured Scottsdale Community College, Community College to condemn him for academic speech dubbed Islamophobic. Dr. Nicholas Damask, who's a professor and chair of Scottsdale's two-year college department of political science, became the subject of controversy after a campaign was launched against him over questions on a quiz about a contemporary terrorism. The three questions on the quiz, quiz that drew ire against Damask dealt with certain realities of contemporary Islamic terrorism. One, for example, asked, where is terrorism encouraged in Islam and Islamic doctrine and law? With the correct action being a Medina verses, the portion of the Quran traditionally understood that being re- revealed later in Muhammad's prophetic career. The other questions under scrutiny were, who do terrorists strive to emulate, to which the right answer was Muhammad, and terrorism is blank in Islam, to which the answer was justified with the context of jihad. But you can't teach that in college, because that's facts. We don't deal in facts. Progressives don't deal in facts. Facts don't matter. Motion. Students move to impeach senator for dehumanizing conservative immigration views. The same people advocating for rights equally in better conditions for illegal aliens are the same ones censoring freedom of speech and right, defaming and initiating hostile hostility for those Americans with con- divergent views. Sad. Petition calling for removal of student Stephanie Martinez from a position as Senator for Diversity, Inclusion, Loyola Marymount University student government alleged that she published dehumanizing statements about illegal immigrants on her Twitter. The, the petition amassed more than 260 signatories, alleged that political statements by Martinez were unacceptable. 
The petitioners claim that Martinez used derogatory and dehumanizing language in immigrants and supported detention centers, referring to the temporary pretrial custody of illegal immigrants. They also claim Martinez threatened to call ICE in her tweets. As a consequence of her alleged online behavior, the petition demands that Martinez be removed from her position. The documents assert that ASLMU must act in the student's best interests and safety by impeaching Martinez. The petition credits itself to report for the agency, blah, 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 and she'll be out on the other day. Uh, Martinez tweeted, uh, what what did she say? Happy birthday, America. Other tweets called to question by agency include one which Martinez responds to a user saying, I'm still going to call ICE just for this. The user was responding to a tweet from Martinez that appeared as unavailable. Close friend of mine works for ICE and they could take you in if you have no legal papers. I, however, am a citizen. Unrealistically sorry. Martinez tweeted another tweet. Martinez said, same people advocate for rights, blah, blah, blah. I already read it. So, yeah. You can't get... You can't win. Freedom of speech is only for progressives. I mean, understand that. That's that's what social media is. Our liberal section today is just about Facebook, Google. Uh, it's election time. They're they're going to quell opposing thought. But to show you how important our college campuses are, and that's why I cover it on the show. Democrats rely on this. This is their re-education camp. You get a kid away from the Christianity they were raised on, their white family, because white families are horrible, the South, what have you, and you put them in that Petri dish of progressive socialism, and they know they can bank on new voters. So it Dems want to give colleges another $10 billion more in bailout funds. They don't need it, but it's a slush fund. If they give the money to the school, the professors will finance their campaigns. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good deal there. So let's go into our gay shit fucking soundbite. Today, today boys and girls, we're going to talk about transgenders because there's a shitload of fucking subjects. But the first thing, Good Troubles women are bringing so much amazing queer visibility to TV. I'm not going to read about it. I'm just going to play the soundbite. Jesus Christ on a popsicle stick. We all deserve a seat at the table. They can't deny all of us if we stick together. I screwed everything up. I'm here to investigate each of you individually. If I don't admit that it was me, she's going to fire everyone. That's obvious we need our own spaces. Obviously. Thank you for letting me stay here. Doesn't have to be temporary. FYI, don't date another lawyer if you can help it. Take it easy with that knife. What are you doing here? Thought you didn't live here anymore. Evan. You can schedule an appointment with my sister. I'm not having everyone thinking once again that I couldn't cut it. That's so hot. I won't let them break me or silence me. From the advocate, transgender Navy officer wins waiver to serve openly. That's big news over there. New York Post disagrees with judge fake science and trans athlete case. 
A writer for the New York Post is siding with Alliance Defending Freedom Attorney seeking the recusal of a biased judge in a lawsuit against Connecticut policy allowing boys to compete as girls. Libby Ammons, a senior editor for the, Plo- the Post Millennial, agreed with ADF that the judge went too far in saying its attorneys should not refer to trans athletes as biological boys. Ammons reviewed the transcript of phone discussion, blah, 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 referring to these individuals as transgender females consistent with science, common practice, and perhaps human decency. No, it's not. Those dudes are dudes. You can say it all day long. They would not be winning the men races. They're winning the women's races because they're still dudes. Reporter misgenders Pennsylvania trans health secretary multiple times, and the advocate was up in arms about it. Pennsylvania Secretary of Health was misgendered multiple times in a press call. Marty Griffin, a reporter from Pittsburgh radio station KDKA, referred to Dr. Rachel Levine as Sir at least three times during a Tuesday press call, according to the transcript from Pittsburgh City Paper. Levine is one of the leaders in the Keystone State's response to current health epidemic, who also just happens to be a transgender woman. Griffin misgendered Levine in a question about Pennsylvania plan for the end game, a COVID-19 restriction as well as a follow-up, prompting the official... To call the act really insulting. Please don't misgender me, Levine told Griffin. In a tweet later that day, the radio reporter asserted that the misgendering was an incident, accident, and then he had to apologize to Levine during the call. I apologize. I apologize twice. I truly did. It was not intentional. It was not. I was not focused. I was just doing six things at once, and he's actually a real dude. And then it goes down to break down what a great job she's done with 57,000 cases and 3,800 deaths because she's a guy trying to be a girl. And if she wasn't a guy being a girl, they'd have more cases. Yeah. Media Matters does the same. Bus Ben Shapiro and colleagues were misgendering referring to trans athletes as biological males. The question whether trans women should compete in girls' sports has been argued for a long time now, and some of the lads of Daily Wire addressed the controversy recently. Media Matters for America was monitoring, of course, and has busted Shapiro, referring to trans women as biological males, and Michael Knowles for also claiming that athletes are not females. They're not girls, and they are certainly not females, said on the podcast. Hey, Media Matters, you'll never look at my little podcast. They're not girls. They're dudes with dicks. When they run their balls and dick flap, that means they're guys. Just throwing it out there. Alex Patterson. The Daily Wire's anti-trans pundits, Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, and Michael Knowles, repeatedly misgendered and mean two teenage athletes, grown-ass men, commenting about teenagers' genitals. Disgusting. Cross several piece of online content podcast, Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Matt Knowles, attacked misgender, two trans athletes, blah, blah, blah. They have a whole bunch of people listening. This is horrible. Then he goes on a tweet screen, including a bizarre rant from Michael Knowles, claiming that recognizing trans people is part of an agenda to end objective reality. I agree with them. Jared Davis, please explain to me exactly what part of what he said was incorrect. Another, bizarre, hardly, what he said made perfect sense and is precisely what is being done here. The truth doesn't become less true because you want it to be. You can't see that he's right because you're starting from the basis that there is no objective reality. Another one, their worldview serves the ego. They're the center of the universe. To write about everything, I have no empirical evidence to change it. They buy into moral relativism and change principles based on ideological expediency and to justify pro-life choices. My truth, not the truth. That comes from a liberal. Because once again, they have no fucking reality of who they are. They're the ones who have the only truth. 
it's portrayed in social media. It's a simple fact that if you don't say the 99 pronouns and a bitch ain't one, you get deplatformed. This article is really a great synopsis of intersectionality, the craziness of the left, and how everything could be rewritten. It's why our history is rewritten all the time to make Obama a scandal-free president. They go back to TV shows and make them what they wanted to be. This is an actual article. I didn't make this up. Why the bionic woman resonates with queer feminist audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Sarah Connor Chronicles, Witchblade, Alias, and even Homeland. And of course, Buffy Summers. In terms of gay appeal, Jamie Summers was a character who began a deeply vulnerable at war with her own identity and gained strength, confidence, and resilience over time. An apt metaphor for the journey from the closet to self-acceptance. Here are some of the questions. Get the obvious connection to the show and character would have a feminist theory. But how do you see them connected to queer theory? <laughs> Queer theory is, I have a mental illness. That's queer theory. Next question. There was something pretty dang gay about these fembots. I must ask, what would the bionic woman do to fight COVID-19? She'd do absolutely nothing because she was a fucking character on a TV show. You fucking moon bat. But then comes the article of all articles. Love this article. This sums up CNN. It sums up the lack of morals on the left. Yeah, I said it. Anderson Cooper. Being gay is one of the great blessings of my life. Being gay is a blessing, says Anderson Cooper. The CNN host appeared Thursday on Ellen to discuss his coming out journey. In the segment, Cooper said... He never concealed his identity to friends and family. I never said I wasn't gay and tried to hide it or pretend that I was anything else. I just didn't want to talk about it publicly. But got to a point in my life where by not saying something that seemed like I was indicating that I was somehow ashamed of something or not happening, happy being gay. And the complete opposite has always been the case. Cooper long maintained that the journalist should not become the story and did not discuss his identity publicly until 2012 when he allowed the Daily Beast to publish an email to a friend of his, the blogger commentator Andrew Sullivan. The fact is, I'm gay. I always have been, always will be, and I couldn't be more happy, comfortable with myself, and proud, he wrote at the time. Now, Cooper says, I wish I'd gone, I'd done it sooner. I consider it, along with Wyatt, one of the greatest blessings of my life to be gay. Cooper, referring to his newborn son, Wyatt. I don't know how that one worked out. Even though I'm kind of painfully shy and introverted and stuff, I thought, okay, well, I want to say something, and so I did. And I couldn't be happier. Coming out does matter, and it does make a difference, said Cooper, who believes it's important for me to have said the word gay, that I am gay, and I'm proud of it. It's fascinating, fantastic. Cooper's gay identity was long an out open secret with LGBTQ media. He was featured on the cover of Out Magazine 2007 with the headline, The Glass Closet. The article focused on numerous celebrities or queer sexualities who considered an open secret. Several of the people mentioned the article, including Clay Aiken, Wanda Sykes, and David Hyde Pierce, have since come out publicly. In the digital chat, Cooper also said he was proud of DeGeneres, who came out in the 90s and became a pioneer for others. He added that as an international reporter, coming out may have complicated his work as it is illegal to be gay in certain nations. 
but an out media personality now happy to send the message around the world. I'm gay. Something you never do as a fucking heterosexual, but yeah. It's a blessing to suck dick. You need Jesus, Anderson. That's all I'm saying. If that's how you word that, your child's a blessing, but your sexuality should never be a blessing. That's not a blessing. I wouldn't say that as a heterosexual when it is a blessing because I'm supposed to procreate and that's why God put me here. And I'm going to talk religion now because you said it's a blessing. You purposely use that verbiage to bash Christians and piss them off because you're anti-religion. I got it. You're on CNN. It's probably part of the interview questions to get a job over there. Do you hate Christians? Yeah. Come on board. Yeah. So, I had a song. They had another weird thing. The Country Daddy new video is a pure celebration of queer identity. I'm not going to play it. It's a really shitty song. I guess the video maybe had a bunch of gay shit going on. I don't know. But that's the kind of shit they put on The Advocate. So let's go to race stuff. And this soundbite's awesome. Because once again, Obama can't do shit wrong. The black people, most of the hardcore black people, he wasn't good enough because he's a light-skinned black guy. He's got white blood. And that's horrible because they hate white people. But now, even talking about Obamagate, it's the new birtherism. Everything is racist. There's no conspiracy if the allegations are true. Michael Flynn admitted that he did what is alleged. Obamagate is essentially a new birtherism. It's essentially a short man for uh, trying to be opposed to Barack Obama on every single front because he is a black president. I think this plays into the part of Trump's base that does harbor discriminatory feelings towards black and brown people. And that is shown through his policy and their support of that policy. And so Obamagate is just another distraction. It's just another birtherism rev. And it's completely unacceptable in a moment when we should be focused on the pandemic and the dead Americans in a moment when Trump is incompetently handing handling that pandemic. Now, uh, Mr. Trump started his 2016 campaign as one of the faces of birtherism. So are you feeling, uh, Zerlina, as many of us do, that maybe Obama gate is his new birtherism, hoping that he can use the same kind of uh, uh, using President Obama and the inference of race to try and and uh, get his campaign uh, to uh, uh, to in many ways incite a this kind of us against them and forget that we're in the middle of a pandemic that he himself uh, blundered the beginning of uh, in, the, in the middle of January to the end and should have managed a lot differently. That's absolutely right, Rev. I think. Essentially, what I hear when I hear Trump or anyone else articulate uh, that there is something called Obamagate, I hear them saying, he's black. You should pay attention to the fact that you didn't like the fact that we had a black president. I mean, the idea that Trump's base is upset about some circuitous path to the unmasking of Michael Flynn 
I mean, unless they have been fed those talking points by conservative media and Fox News, they are, the average citizen is not concerned with the unmasking of Michael Flynn, who did what they have alleged. So the unmasking was completely appropriate. It happens thousands of times during an administration. There is no conspiracy there. What is a problem in this particular moment is we are two months into quarantine. The administration has done basically nothing to ensure that we have the number of tests we need, that we have uh, the number of uh, precautions in place so that people can start to reopen parts of the economy. God damn you people are fucking... You have, you're you such hypocrites, man. You're just such fucking hypocrites. Anything goes against a white president, but a black president... Oh, no, no. Van Jones plays dumb as Corona Racism Panel is canceled because it was sponsored by Hawaii. Yeah, the phone company. The most... Like, they're illegal in the United States. They're, they're that fucked up. They're just basically a spying tool. But okay. Then we have this great one, social studies, black Twitter versus white Twitter. Once again, NBC affiliate, The Root. They are so fucking racist. Social media is a great educational tool because of slavery, Jim Crow, redlining, and white flight. There have been many black people who have not had the chance to acquire first-hand knowledge of white people. So I'm going to let that sit for a second while I take a drink. The way they type white people, if you did it for black people, once again, not happening. Luckily, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook allows a great insight in the practices and habit of people who buy clothes from QVC. If not for Facebook, we would have no idea about the Caucasian aversion to leg washing. And if not for Wikipedia, I wouldn't have known why this tweet was funny. Of course, I know that Nelly Furtado exists. Probably understood he was either a musician or a Formula One race driver. Or maybe he's a former football player or Keith Jackson reference in a football commentary. Wait, Nelly Furtado is a woman? Well, I guess this guy was overwrite. Okay, I guess if Jesus can name a white man Keith Jackson, then there could be a woman named Nelly. Anyway, when Ludacris battles and real Nelly on Instagram who win... You can laugh all you want, but how many white people could even get the joke? That's racist, but you know. Somehow black funeral homes create their own advertising industry by stapling popsicle sticks to construction paper and slapping MLK face on the front. And I don't act like you don't want the usher to give you a new fan instead of one of the old fans after your church re-upped on the original. Holy Ghost Air Conditioners. I firmly believe that Martin Luther King Jr. fans produced a wind that was a di- few different degrees cooler than Malila Jackson. It was probably because he had the same mountaintop also. And, I, and, and also, I am the only one who feels this joke is kind of disrespectful. I honestly feel like Jennifer Lewis is some kin to me. For our white readers, some kin means re- related. Yeah, yeah, we, we know that, racist. Money making Ashmo. Ain't this the plot the Tyler Perry movie? Blackish actress Jennifer Lewis among four women scammed for money for 400,000 mo-ronuts. Alex and Olivia. Why all of a sudden does everyone think that COVID is an automatic death sentence? I don't get it. I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to get dog sick. But if I want to go out and take the risk, I don't see in committing suicide like some of you people are making it sound. The final season of white people didn't go as expected. Who knew that they were going to die from coronavirus side? 
Meanwhile, black Twitter be like, just because you annoyed or tired with the virus don't mean it's over. Laugh my fucking ass off. This lup headline upset the Roots managing editor. Greta Adams, hey ABC News, if these two 19-year-old and 20-year-old grown-ass men had been black, would you still be calling them teens? She probably doesn't understand it. It was meant for white Twitter because a teenager is a white privilege. When you're black, you get the headlines like how Michael Brown death was reported. These short films are astute political analysts for the white Twitter YouTube account. And they were racist shit. Duty to warn, absence of loyalty. This is a clip from our upcoming film, Unfit. Trump is preoccupied with loyalty, but others, none of it in return. Anything less than total obedience, however slight, is met with vindictiveness with Dr. Lance Dodes. But black Twitter did the same hinge with one gift. Let's make American presidency smarter again. Talking about this president. And it's tweeted just Obama talking. Then they had two sound bites of a white guy dancing as a joke. And a black guy dancing, and but here's the big difference between white Twitter and black Twitter: stereotypes. White people can't dance. That's an article on the root, and that's okay. That's not racist. It's not inappropriate. It's normal, and I always ask why. Why? We're always told about white supremacist websites. I go to the root, it's a black supremacist website. So what's the difference? Then you got this article. McConnell and Trump attack Obama's legacy with racism and illegalities. They don't cite racism at all in here. It's just racist to attack Obama, which is what we lived for fucking nine years during his campaign and eight years of a presidency. But black people have it so hard. It looked like a black president didn't. So we're going to end this on anti-unfilter, also known as anti-racist motherfucking biatch. And we'll go into a liberal shit with Samantha B and another goddamn fucking abortion shit from our mainstream media. Hey nieces and nephews, it's your favorite auntie, Monique Judge, and this is Auntie Unfiltered. Now today on Auntie Unfiltered, we're going to talk about a topic that's really important, and that is friendship. Now the impetus for this discussion is two things. Um, I got an email from someone who asked how you make the decision or what you do when friends or family come and ask you for money. And then I watched Sunday's episode of Insecure. Now, if you're a fan of Insecure and you watch Insecure, um, but maybe you aren't necessarily all the way caught up, there's going to be spoilers in this video. So if you want to watch the episode first before you watch this, then I recommend you do that because there's going to be a little bit of spoilers. But um, for this season of Insecure, we have been watching the slow eroding of Molly and Issa's friendship. And it's manifested itself in a lot of different ways. You can see them kind of getting on each other's nerves with a little nitpicky stuff. Um, it seems like this whole season, it seems like Molly's been kind of a hater towards Issa. And I'll touch on that a little bit more in a second. Um, and Issa, for her part, is, you know, she's blooming into something else. She's trying to get off her own um, business and ventures off the ground. She sets up this block party. She, you know, gets asked to perform for it or what have you. 
and one of the acts cancels at the last minute, so she needs a favor. She asked Molly if Molly could ask Andrew to get a, an artist to hook them up with a performance. And Molly tells her she doesn't want to because she values her relationship with Andrew and she doesn't want to overstep. Fine. I get that somewhat. Um, but what I also see is kind of like Molly's putting it out there that she's valuing this relationship over her friendship with Issa. So Issa, in her in turn, went to um, Nate, the guy that she was seeing, who is, also happens to be roommates with the guy Molly is seeing. And she asked him to um, talk to Andrew, which he did. And it all worked out for Issa. We all should have been happy, right? But Molly wasn't. She was upset. She told Issa off. She told Issa that she overstepped. I don't think Issa overstepped. Issa asked someone who she was connected to that also happened to be connected to Andrew, and they made the hookup. It had nothing to do with Molly. So it, it was outside of Molly. So I don't know why that upset Molly so much, but okay. In the in the ensuing argument, Molly told Issa that she stays needing another favor. And um, the barbs that they were trading back and forth really demonstrated for us that these two don't have great communication. Like they just don't. It's clear that they don't talk things out when something's wrong or they get upset with each other, that they don't discuss it. Um, they don't bring it up. Maybe they hold a lot of stuff in. So Molly kind of like exploded and you could tell that she's been holding that on her chest for a long time. And the thing about it is friendships are important. They are a relationship just like any other type of relationship, just like your family relationships, just like, you know, your um, romantic relationships. All of these relationships require communication and friendship most especially, I would say, because, you know, there's not the blood tie there and you're not fucking them. So, um, you know, the, the only thing that's literally holding you two together is your commonalities and um, what you like and appreciate in each other. So that means that when you get upset or something happens, you have to be able to effectively communicate that and, and you have to talk. I can't stress that enough. My best friend and I have been friends for 20 years. Yeah. Um, almost half our lives. And she was my first real adult friend. I would say that this is the friendship that actually taught me how to be a good friend because, you know, we don't necessarily agree on everything. We are complete opposites. I'm very outgoing and loud. She's more subdued and quiet, stays in the cut, watching everything. Um, but she's happy to let me do my thing. I'm happy to let her do her thing. And we're like the yin and the yang, right? And um, we get in disagreements all the time, but it doesn't result in us... Um, you know, hating on each other or talking shit about each other to other people. Like, that's not the way that functions. Even if we need a cooling off period, we still come back together and discuss and say, hey, this hurt me when you said this. This hurt me when you said that. I didn't like when you did this. I didn't like when you did that. And that's what makes it work. You have to be able to discuss that. And if there's things like what Molly said, you stay needing another favor. If she's tired of doing favors for Issa, she could have told Issa that a long time ago. So... In answer to the email that I received about lending people money, and which is a very touchy subject in any kind of relationship, not just friendships, not just in romantic relationships, in family relationships, and, and undoubtedly we all have somebody in our family that always has their hand out asking us for something. It's just how it works. It's the nature of things. And what I say to that is this. First of all, the rule is you don't loan out any money that you cannot afford to get back. That should be the number one thing you base your decision on. 
If you're going to give this person this money, is it your rent money? Because if it is, you don't need to be doing it. Is it the light bill money? Because then you don't need to be doing it. Is it your cell phone money? You don't need to be doing it. What you need to do is tell that person, hey, I'm sorry I'm not able to at this time, and be able to communicate that in a way that they can understand you are okay with it, they're okay with it, and y'all move on. But also, a thing about loaning money is what I tend to do is ask people what's their plan. Okay, you're in this rut. I give you this money. So now you owe that money that you already owe. Plus now you owe me back. What's your plan for next month? How are you going to rectify all of this? Because if you don't have a solid plan, it's not really a risk I want to take in loaning you money. Right? Is that fair? And that's how you make that work. Right? And you have to be able to communicate that to people overall. So that said, I really want to hear from you. What do you guys think about this or any other topic you want to hear me discuss? If you have questions, if you need advice, please email me at auntiesubmissions at theroot.com and I will see y'all next week. Bye. You're the next contestant on Liberal We've been through really tough times before, and we did emerge better as a result of them. For example, the Great Depression led to once radical reforms. You get eventually social security, you get a safety net, and you get a minimum wage and collective bargaining. World War II brought the GI Bill, more women in the workforce, and the final defeat of fascist. Okay, temporary defeat. But... History tells us that you can have hope, you can have perspective, you can make things better. Now, while Democrats are trying to raise benefits by 15%, Republicans are attempting to block that change. Just for context, the maximum benefit for a family of four is only $646 per month. For Republicans, giving hungry families an extra 100 bucks during a worldwide pandemic is too big of an ask, both because they deeply, passionately don't give a shit about poor people and because Steve Mnuchin needs it to fashion sheets for his bed. First, how about a better social safety net? Here's Robert Reich, author of The System, who rigged it how we fix it. We are the most unequal in terms of income and wealth of any advanced country. We have socialism for the rich and the harshest form of capitalism you can imagine for everybody else. What specific changes would you like to see emerge after the pandemic? Well, if I'm going to put on my silver lining hat, please do. We should cancel student debt. We could have a universal health care system. We could have universal basic income, not keeping people comfortable, but at least making sure they didn't go hungry. Great. UBI, universal health care, debt forgiveness. I love the vision. Okay, no to Trump. If I am still allowed to have my silver lining hat on, Donald Trump is not only out of a job, he is prosecuted for violating the law. In fact, there's a race among public prosecutors to see who is going to get him in prison first. Robert Reich, I love your imagination. We have a suspicious device. No, 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 bomb we got to call it in get the bomb squad in here how are they going to get in here how do we even know it's a bomb i train up the bomb squad you know yeah we we, we we doing this now yeah sorry no what okay what do we do get the hell out of here
You're gonna get away from that. It looks homemade. Who the hell bombs a hospital anyway? Anti-choice. Not the first time they've attacked me. I use embryonic stem cells in my research. How can people claim to be pro-life but be willing to sacrifice millions of lives that could be saved by research? Fucking ABC TV is obsessed with pushing abortion. Just obsessed. But it's all over the web. I, I counted no less than about seven articles protecting women's reproductive health during the pandemic. They just won't let it go. But our big thing of liberalship, as I said, is going to be social media. But it started with two articles bashing Christians. The first one, CNN. Want to go back to church? You're a bigot. CNN knows your religious types who insist on going to church during the pandemic need a good talking down to. Your intransience leaves Team Zucker no choice. You're not just going to have to endure an op-ed from Guthrie Graves for Fitzsimmons, a fellow with the Faith and Pro- Progressive Policy Initiative at the Center of American Progress. That can be no mother fucking more liberal. Fitzsimmons is an elder in the Church of Perpetual Lockdown. It's loosely affiliated with the United Church of Climate Change and the offshoot of the statist synagogue. Fitzsimmons is very cross with the congregations that want to go back being, well, congregations. And he's super angry that the Trump administration is telling them no. The administration is not telling them no. The administration will not implement any of the guidance of the CDC on reopening in part because of a religious freedom concern about placing any restriction on churches. The administration is once again trying to unfurl the banner of what might prescribe as religious freedom, this time to cover for a premature push to reopen. From a wider perspective, the COVID-19 crisis also reveals a new dimension on how some conservatives have distorted our treasured American value of religious freedom. This comes as many religious communities are tr- continuing to care for one another and the common good by adapting to the trying circumstance- circumstances. What he means is religious communities who are doing what the Simmons thinks they should, but the rest of you get a waggy figure. Religious freedom is not a license to spread the coronavirus, and this is not the first time it's been exploited to pursue a conservative agenda. Like the liberal agenda to bash only Christians during this time and ignore, you know, fucking Moss still in operation in New York City? Hmm. If it was a conservative governor up there or conservative fucking mayor... And there was one case in a fucking mosque. You would say Islamophobia led to them not closing the mosque. Because that's how you twist shit. But the worst article literally comes from Dan Abrams on the Mediate. Stunning poll. Almost half of all Americans think God will protect them from getting coronavirus. This is Tommy Christopher, a little gay dude that hates everything America. Got me banned from disc. And here's his article. A stunningly high percentage of Americans said they believe God will protect them from contracting the coronavirus, according to a new poll. He's bashing Christians, but I'm sure Catholics think it, Muslims think it, Jewish think it. It's part of our thing. It's called religion. If it's God's will. That's just a thing. Sorry about that. And a new survey conducted by the University of Chicago Divinity School, yeah, it's a liberal one, the Associated Press NORC, that's liberal, for public affairs research, an overwhelming majority of 82% of Americans said they believe in God. 
And those believers, large majority, said that the coronavirus pandemic is a message from God that God will protect at least somewhat from the disease. The poll that found that 31% of Americans who believe in God feel strongly that the virus is a sign of God telling humanity to change with the same number feeling that somewhat. So that's not a large majority, but why talk about facts when you're a Dan Abrams site and you're just a libtard? Evangelical Protestants are more likely than others to believe that strongly, and 43% compared to 28% of Catholics and mainline Protestants. 55% of Americans believe... Believers say they feel at least somewhat that God will protect them from being affected. Evangelical Protestants are more likely than those of other religious backgrounds to say they believe that, with 43% saying it strongly, 30% say so somewhat. While Catholics and mainline Protestants are more closely split on feeling the way or not. Even accounting for non-believers, as 45% of all Americans who believe God will protect them from a virus, although, as the AP notes, the degree and nature of protecting that God is believed to offer during the pandemic can differ depending on the believer. The poll also find that most Americans say their faith is the same or stronger because of the pandemic, with 26% of Americans saying their sense of faith or spirituality has grown stronger as a result of the outbreak. Just 1% say it has weakened it. And in religiously affiliated Americans have not changed their praying habits, according to the poll, with 57% saying they do so at least weekly since March, about the same share that say they prayed it regularly last year. This is actually brought up like uh, the people that were following Hale-Bopp. That's the tone of this article. Because that's what they think of Christians. And I just, every time I read this, I'm doing it on purpose because if you for one second say those two track stars with their dicks and balls flapping are dudes, you're a fucking heretic. Because that's liberal religion. Liberal religion is how fucking twisted can we twist science, biology, and everything to fit our fucking narrative. And how does it get scary? Well, it's our social media. Here's Telemundo breaking report about Facebook censorship. Anything but news. Facebook tomó hoy una importante decisión. Eliminar casi 2.000 cuentas que atacan a inmigrantes, promueven el racismo y difunden información falsa. Decenas eran administradas por seguidores del presidente Trump. Entre las páginas eliminadas aquí en Estados Unidos están algunas relacionadas con grupos de extrema derecha que se empeñan en la expulsión de inmigrantes y también de grupos de supremacistas blancos cuyo mensaje ya no será escuchado a partir de hoy. Al menos por Facebook. En Los Ángeles, California, Francisco Cuevas, Noticias Telemundo. So what did he say? A Telemundo breaking news report about Facebook April deletion of nearly 2,000 accounts that attacked immigrants, promote racism, or spread false information. Not only pointed an accusatory finger at Trump followers, but dated the event originally announced on May 5th as taking place today. Jose Diaz Ballart. He's from MSDNC. How much you want to bet of those 2,000 it's not racist? I would say at least 30% of them probably were just people who did not agree and were pushing articles like, dude released 45 fucking times illegally murder somebody. But once again, Facebook, that's horrible. Facebook shuts down two groups opposed to Michigan shutdown. Facebook has shut down two Michigan shutdown protest groups, Michiganders against excessive excessive quarantine, 
and Michigan United for Liberty. Facebook groups created as a result of the Michigan lockdown. According to the Center Square, Facebook indicated that both groups were found to have violated the platform's community standards and were shut down. Michiganders Against Excessive Quarantine, co-founder by Garrett Salado and Kevin Skinner, amassed more than 380,000 members before Facebook shut it down. Salado, in a video about the incident, said the group basically got taken down for the live news feed that I did at Carl's Barbershop. The other one was the same thing. They had somebody, some liberal intern, just sitting there watching the content, trying to find something and shut it down because no opposing views. Obey. Washington Post media columnist wants an executive editor for 3 billion Facebook users. Margaret Sullivan acknowledged Facebook has nearly 3 billion users, but she still wants to have an executive editor to punish and censor the misinformation that is harming our democracy. The fact that Facebook's new oversight board has only two out of the 20 members who are conservative does not seem to impress Sullivan. Sullivan asserted in her Friday column, Facebook has a huge truth problem. A high-priced oversight board won't fix it. The truth problem starts with allowing Donald Trump to be elected. It seemed clear Facebook needed some intelligence and powerful judgment at the top because so many truly awful things were happening there. Somehow, I didn't think that the founder like Mark Zuckerberg was up to the task. Remember, for instance, the blight judgment of about the 2016 presidential election. Personally, I think the idea of fake news on Facebook, which is a very small amount of the content, influenced the election in any way. I think it's a pretty crazy idea. But conventional wisdom now holds that without Facebook's help spreading misinformation, Trump probably would not be in office. And anyone even a bit familiar with Margaret Sullivan knows that her extreme Trump derangement syndrome would definitely cause her to absurdly blame Facebook for the election of Trump, which would be more than enough to center in a rage about big big tech. Sullivan's censorous urges can't be satisfied by mere humans because she believes they don't have the capacity to crack down enough on conservatives getting to post and share their misinformation. Sullivan explained by a mere oversight board is an efficient enough censor. Although she loves left-wing dignitaries, Facebook last week announced a platform a 20-member oversight board. The panel will rule on difficult content. It's being called Facebook Supreme Court, and its members certainly are an impressive group, blah, 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 blah. Let's get to the part. Um, radical views behind Facebook new oversight board. This didn't come from the mainstream media. This came from conservatives. Looking at their social media feeds. Facebook new oversight board has been criticized as too liberal and too international to decide on American content. The current structure of the board ensures that 15 of the 20 board members are from outside the United States. Facebook is committed to having only one member from the U.S. on a five-person panel ruling on American content. That means 80% could well be international. Put simply, those rulings on American content won't be grounded in America First Amendment ideals. Many will be steeped in the international view of free expression with value, safety over liberty. But the board is faced with an even bigger problem. It includes several members whose political views could be described as radical and anti-American. The social media powerhouse highlighted the free speech credential of the new members when the board was announced. Facebook downplayed the controversial nature of seven of the picks. The board included Yemeni activist and Nobel Peace Prize winner Tawakal Karman, who has ties with the Muslim Brotherhood, considered a terrorist group by the fucking world. Others, like Pakistani Nigat Dodd or the UK's Alan Risberger, 
have been so opposed to Trump that they either vowed to avoid the U.S. entirely or urged the press to censor his press conferences. Both American liberals named to the board had roles during controversial congressional hearings related to Trump. Stanford University law professor Pamela Carlin made a joke about the president's 13-year-old son so bad during the impeachment hearing that she had to apologize. Here are just some of the shit. The Brotherhood mocked President Trump's son, vowed to avoid the U.S. Free speech, speech expert wanted press to silence Trump. Four members connected to George Soros. Oversight board handles content appeals. The new oversight board will roll on the content stays up or gets taken down initially. will only address content that has been taken down. Later, it will consider appeals about content that is allowed to stay up. It appears fact checkers will not be covered by co-chair Michael McConnell told the Media Research Center that he wants to see audits and fact checkers. Recommendation. Facebook is unlikely to cancel the board. It committed $130 million to build. But here are two things conservatives could push for. One, ensuring the next 20 members rebalance the board and add several members on the right. However, conservative co-chair Michael McConnell has warned the right will likely only get one or two more positions. And true, conservatives would be still be outnumbered nine to one. Push to have an American contact decided on by Americans. This eliminates an international spin on the board and puts U.S. conservatives on a much more even footling. It does, however, leave foreign content under the sway of the left. The more Facebook and the board try to manage free speech, the more free speech is impaired. Only extreme content, including violence and pedophilia, should be targeted. But the proper solution is to get out of the censorship business and cancel this fiasco. This article goes on to show I'm pushing for all sorts of crazy shit. Radical leftist, George Soros, louder, has a louder voice than American services. It's true. He's not an American. Disdain for American values and leadership. It just breaks it all down. But are you surprised? It's an election year. Remember, Google learned he could push the electorate nine fucking points. We played sound bites of them talking about it and what they were going to do to change policy in America. The board meeting. They didn't even have to apologize. Mainstream media ignored it. Completely fucking ignored it. And then we have Microsoft. Microsoft. Liberal NewsGuard expands partnership with Microsoft. Liberal website rating firm NewsGuard has expanded its partnership with Microsoft in order to spread new news literacy. NewsGuard describes itself as a company that provides credible credibility ratings and details nutrition labels on news and information websites across the Internet. The online gatekeeping company, which allegedly determines whether news and information sources are worth reading, announced multiple changes to its partnership with Microsoft on May 14th. The blog summarized that it updates agreement, expand news literacy sponsorship, provides all users of Microsoft Edge browser free access to NewsGuard rating and nutrition labels, and delivers data to Bing search engines for NewsGuard. So basically, what Microsoft is doing is we're going to be Google. Because Google will only post CNN, MSNBC, PBS, ABC, NBC. You won't get a Fox article. And if you search for Obama scandals, you'll get Trump scandals on page one, two, three, and four. Yeah, that's great. 
Google allegedly reduced diversity and inclusion programs to shield from anti-conservative perception. After years of big tech being in spotlight for anti-conservative bias, Google appears to have cut back its far-left diversity and inclusion program. Google has significantly rolled back its diversity and inclusion initiatives in an apparent effort to avoid being perceived as anti-conservative. Eight current and former employees told NBC. One example of program cutback was the Sojourn, which NBC News described as a comprehensive racial justice program created for employees to learn about implicit bias and how to navigate conversions about race and inequality. <clears throat> I'm not going to read the rest of it because what it's really coming down to is they couldn't get good liberals. And they couldn't attract conservatives because conservatives knew if they went there, it's just a goddamn fucking college campus. Like a really bad one with super liberal bullshit. So they had to back the stuff up. Because the same people you're saying that wants all this shit, they also don't want to work. They want free 99. All the time. And I think this is our last. Is this our last article? Yeah. <clears throat> our media has done such a poor job at really showing what's happened and talking about how good um, red states or some states didn't even close down, close down that aren't red or blue did. Then on the foreign sites that I go to, numerous articles that I won't read, I'll just talk about. COVID-19 has blown away the myth about first and third world competence. And the way they twist this is whatever the media put out and how good South Korea did. But nobody who's ever been to Seoul would say they're a third world country. But that's their twist. South Korea and Japan did great. And America has all these cases. So they're horrible because of Donald Trump. And they're, they're just crowing. Fatal, error, effective, response, inspiring are all the headers on this, these, the one article I grabbed, but they're all identical. That third world countries are great. First world countries suck. They even bash Britain in here. Because, you know, that's that's what we're going to do. That, that's where we're going. And, and the liberal media is going to eat it up with a fucking spoon because guess what? They hate America too. To our lighter fare, this was sent to me. God bless America. I don't remember who sent this to me. It's really good. Um, System of the Down machine gun style.
Damn, I sound like a liberal there. Machine gun. It, it was an AR-15, all right. That's all it was. Really good soundbite. <clears throat> to other ones, they're political, but I just had to crack up about it. Bloomberg News. China attacks America with Russian-style disinformation campaign. So now, this election, if Trump wins, it was the Chinese. Yeah. Simultaneously, Ohio professor, latest to be arrested over China ties. Nothing in the media. But China's our enemy, right? Mmm, college. Yeah, got it. Got it. Then, Washington Post has shared an op-ed for contributor who either hasn't been paying attention to what's been happening these last four years or chose to ignore it. You might want to put your beverage down for the proceeding. Opinion. We need to prepare for the possibility of Trump rejecting election results. Every week. They're fucking printing that. And it's so comedic, because what the fuck have we been doing for four years? Rejecting the election results down to the electoral college. But my favorite line of fare, and I, goddamn, these, well, there's two, sorry. There's two good ones. The first one is lockdown in five words, hashtag, and... I don't know who started it, but it seemed a mostly conservative thing. They're, they're really good. Now it's just gotten ridiculous. Liberty doesn't look like this. A gateway drug for authoritarianism. Your liberties are deemed non-essential. Surrender your liberties or else. Democratic governors really love socialism. Dems destroy their power base. The biggest overreaction I've experienced. Trump wins without a depression. Flatten the curve, change to cure. <laughs> they keep changing goal posts. Bait and motherfucking switch. Uh, somebody even put in here, my hygiene trumps yours, bitches, with the Chicago mayor. I borrowed this from Antifa with the guy who ran for VP, Tim, whatever the fuck his name is. He's wearing an Antifa bandana in a hearing. Then they actually brought in statistics. 2019 to 20 COVID-19 mortality rate versus influenza. Flu and pneumonia, just for my state, 1,650 people died. COVID, 195. The only places where it's bad, New Jersey, fucking New York, Blue states. They're the ones that have the opposite, but the rest of us don't. And then there was the Washington Post bringing out Stacey Abrams. Because remember, Biden might not want this, but the media wants this. They want a black VP. They want her to be a woman. And some reason, just like Beto O'Rourke, they believe people think that Stacey Abrams is the shit. There's no record of her accomplishments there's there's nothing she just ran and lost because of racism that's all we've heard right so john sexton from the washington post magazine profile of stacy abrams they have her in this this shirt and pants it's a beyonce and everybody dogged the shit out of it stacy's the new beto it's one flattering media profile after another 
Diabito. Di- <laughs> I'm a fat guy. I can laugh. Everything else is like, this is not, pr- this is not flattering. Why did you do this? They showed articles they've done. Stacey Abram has ascended to political prominence. How has she harnessed so much power in so little time to be Joe Biden's possible running mate? Well, you gave it to her. That's how she got it. I mean, she didn't earn it. She didn't do anything. Ever. She just didn't do shit. She's just black and she has ovaries. Maybe. I don't know if she's had a hysterectomy. But I'm just saying, she's a female. That's it. And she hates Trump. So that, that's all your qualifications. Murder babies after they come out of the womb and call an abortion. And want to give money to illegal immigrants. Uh, lock down your state for fucking ever. Hate Trump. You're a Democrat. And she's icing on the cake. I mean, all she could be better is to say she's a lesbian. And they would fucking lose their shit over her. So. To our This Is America, my God in heaven, if we've learned anything about these brave firefighters that Katie Tourer started that statement, they love to make the news about themselves. And there was a reporter who decided to go to a rally, and he didn't like the way the people talked to him, because he's important. He's a goddamn hero, even if you don't think so. And then the media got on board, and it is our This Is America. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. Guns in my area. I got the strap. I'm just trying to get by on the sidewalk, that's all. Well, you shouldn't be here, you fake news. You stopped, you stopped airing the Trump briefings and you keep airing Cuomo briefings. Go home, Straight you fake news. Go home. You're destroying something You are the enemy of the people. You are the enemy. We all know it. You are fake news. We know that you're liberal agenda. We know you want to keep your job. We get it. You're not getting advertised dollars in right now. You're not going to answer? So you're just going to go live? Yes, I am getting a paycheck. I'm very happy, but other people are not getting paychecks. And they're not getting... You used to be a good channel at one time. I don't know what happened to you. You're a hack.
They flooded the sidewalk on Jericho Turnpike in Comac. Hundreds of Long Islanders sick of the shutdown, demanding that New York get back to work. Businesses need to reopen. People are losing their livelihood. Who is King Cuomo to tell business owner that he can't be open or that you have to wear a mask when you walk into his store. The rally, organized by a group called the Setauket Patriots, a right-wing organization that supports President Trump. It's the second demonstration that's been held at this location in the last two weeks. Back on May 1st, many people were seen ignoring social distancing and refusing to wear masks, while Suffolk police looked on. This time around, Suffolk police showed up in much larger numbers. They also put up these barriers near the sidewalk and talked to protesters about social distancing. But once the rally really got started, some of the rules went out the window. Many protesters directing their anger right at the news media. Some of them trying to prevent me from filing this report on Facebook Live and repeatedly invading my personal space. I think you need to back away from me. No, I got hydroxychloroquine. I'm fine. I'm just standing here. This guy will not get away from me. Can you back away? The demonstrators came from all over Long Island. And some Comac residents tell us they don't agree with the protests. The protest doesn't represent all of Comac. But like it or not, their message is loud and clear. They say it's time to end the coronavirus shutdown. The end goal seems to be no deaths. And that is impossible. In Comac, Kevin VC News 12, Long Island. Hi, everybody. News 12 reporter Kevin VC here. By now, you've probably seen one of the videos that went viral from yesterday's protest in Comac. First off, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's reached out to send me messages of support. I really appreciate that. Uh, the other thing I want to do right now is just kind of go through the video, show you, you know, what was going through my head, uh, give you a little behind-the-scenes information, and uh, just sort of analyze the video together. So let's go ahead and play it. Um, so it starts out just kind of like any other Facebook Live video would start. I'm showing the scene. I'm uh, comparing uh, this protest to one that had happened two weeks prior that I also covered. Uh, so I'm just sort of analyzing, you know, how many people are there, whether or not they're observing social distancing guidelines, if they're wearing masks, and just kind of talking about what I'm seeing, which is what we always do in these situations. So we go down the line, we show some of the people with signs, we eventually run into this woman who I talked to briefly. Um, she, you know, talks about her family's small business and she talks about how she's concerned about the future of that small business with the shutdown in effect. So we talked about that for a few minutes and it was a good conversation, nice interview, and then I moved on. So I continue down the line, show some of the other people Talked a little bit about the police presence. Um, so the time before, back on May 1st, Suffolk police were there. But this time around, they were there in much larger numbers. So I just kind of showed that a little bit as we continue down the line. And then eventually we get to this part where I see this woman right here for the first time. Now, this woman I had interviewed at the previous protest back on May 1st. Uh, she was part of my story. Uh, later, I would learn that she didn't really like the way that story came out because during that piece, we pointed out the fact that there were people who were ignoring social distancing and choosing not to wear masks. So more on that later. 
Um, you can see her briefly there with the megaphone and the sign. I kind of turn around. I continue to show what's going on. I show, you know, this dog. A woman brought her dog, saying that there should be dog grooming right now. And then this is where the confrontation kind of first starts with this woman right here in the pink. So that woman in the pink comes towards me, and then she's soon joined by the other lady who we saw previously right there. You can see that she's not wearing a mask and she's getting pretty close to me.、Uh, that woman had COVID nineteen, she says, and she says because of that she feels that she doesn't have to wear a mask. I also had COVID nineteen, but I always wear a mask, even though I've since recovered.、Uh, always wear a mask when I'm around other people, or even if I'm just walking down the street, or even if I'm walking out to my car in a quiet parking lot,、um, just because two things. First off, we don't know that having antibodies necessarily guarantees that you won't be infected again, and then the other thing is that wearing a mask is as much about protecting yourself as it is about protecting other people. So anyway,、um, they proceed to accuse me of, you know, reporting unfairly last time, which is fine. That's, you know, they're entitled to their opinion on that.、Um, we just reported the facts and made some pretty obvious observations about what was happening. So, so at this point, I'm kind of trying to get away from them. Uh, keep in mind, I'm also by myself.、Uh, I was with a photographer that day, but I sent that person off to shoot some video of the protesters in another area of the protest while I did the Facebook Live by myself, kind of a way for us to multitask. We're under tight deadlines usually,、um, so you know, I just worked on something while he worked on something else. So you can see they're following me. I'm kind of trying to get myself out of the situation while also being polite and giving them an opportunity to express their concerns. So again, you know, this woman wouldn't leave me alone. And then you can see a crowd is sort of starting to form. Nothing huge. Most of the other people are keeping their distance, but that woman is right in the middle. And you know, we're having a heated dialogue. But at least at this point, there's a little bit of distance between us. So that's what's happening there. We move on, and I start to give a little bit of a recap of what's happening, and yeah, explaining why some of the people were upset、uh, because they weren't happy apparently with the report from May first. So we keep going, and then this gentleman suddenly shows up.、Uh, we see him later in some videos that I shot for Twitter, but yeah, this man comes. He again, you know, he's also not wearing a mask, being very aggressive with his actions. As you can see,、uh, I was able to keep him away from me. The fact that Suffolk police were kind of close probably also helped the situation, although they were kind of hanging back a little bit. So at this point,、um, I'm able to get myself out of the situation, walk backwards while still. Explaining what's going on, and then I proceed to give a bit of a recap of everything that happened.、Uh, just one other thing that I want to say:、um, you know, I am from Smithtown. I went to Smithtown High School. I grew up in both Smithtown and St. James. That part of Comac is a place that I went to with my family all the time. We used to go to the diner right there, Emilio's Pizza Place. My mom exercised at Jazzercise right on that corner when I was a kid. So I used to go there all the time,、uh, and that is my home as much as it is 
anyone else's. I know there are a lot of really great people there, so this certainly is not indicative of everyone from that area. I know that. Um, and I also, you know, have been reporting the news on Long Island for about eight years now. I've had so many amazing experiences telling your stories. I look forward to continuing to do that. So um, this was one experience. It certainly uh, is not indicative of everything that I've done here on Long Island, not even close. The positive experiences have far outweighed stuff like this. So um, Long Islanders, just keep that in mind as we, as we move forward through this. I want you all to be safe, be healthy, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And uh, thank you again to everyone who's reached out to support me. What you heard there was the original soundbite, and then he did Let's Make It About Me and do another one. But his tweet is just, it's its our media. I'll probably never, his name is Kevin Vesey. I'll probably never forget what happened today. I was insulted. I was paraded. I was practically chased by people who refused to wear masks in the middle of a pandemic. All the while, I was there to tell their story. Here's the finished product. Courtney, you mean the same people the media has disparaged for four years and had enough of your bullshit? Kevin, in his fair and unbiased account here, is is in this for the Twitter likes. Right. It's all about calling them inbred chicken cooking, cousin poking hillbillies and telling lies, er, news about them for years. Might make them less than receptive to, to you. Woo doggy. <laughs> what a little, this is Charles Proxy. What a little drama queen you are. Your bias is disgusting. How do you report on Black Lives Matter? Are you afraid to get too close to them? They'll hurt you for sure. Did you ever listen or process what they were trying to say, or did you just jump to make it all about you? Aldelius Huxley's ghost. You're starting to realize people really hate journalists, but you're clueless as to why. Video from Long Island of a local reporter covering the protest was not received by CNN Jim Acosta. Disturbing. Chris Saliza. The viral video of Trump supporters screaming at a reporter is a Rorschach test of America right now. Donald Trump. People can't get enough of this. Great people. <laughs> He's such a shit stirrer. Brian Seltzer. This crowd didn't reflect all Trump supporters, nor did it reflect all Long Islanders. But these behaviors towards the news media, the intolerance, the indecency, has been modeled by Trump for several years. Now he's celebrating when his fans mimic it. Carol Roth. Brian you literally cover the media, you should know better than anyone else that people's disdain for media has been stoked by the media's biased behavior for years pre-Trump. And it's actually a key reason we have Trump in the White House. He's an outcome, not a cause. Tim Pool. Trump did not create it. Trump was the product of it. As the media lied and pushed absurd attacks on common people, the collective anger pulled into eventually found his champion, Trump is the collective anger of the people tired of media elites spitting on them. David Edward, do you think Trump is the instigator of this? He's result. Adam Trahan, most people have felt this way about the media since W was in office, Brian, but since social media didn't exist, the media didn't get their reviews in real time. People elected Trump because he echoed a lot of people, not because of a lot of people wanted to echo Trump. Matt Lewis, that viral video showing Trump supporters hating the media explained... And it sounds like this. Media helped give us Donald Trump. Thanks a lot, guys. And I think that I guess I am one of them. <laughs> right. 
Uh, and then I think the media is taking him down. This is the same liberal media that attacked Mitt Romney, an utterly decent man, I think we would all agree, for binders full of women. He was trying to hire women. That became a huge scandal. He was cast as this misogynist. And I think that, unfortunately, a lot what we're seeing is a lot of the people who are sticking with Trump and defending the indefensible are doing so because they've seen year after year the mainstream media basically tear down good, decent candidates and demonize them, call them misogynists, call them racist, and now they're fed up and they're going to stick with this. Uh, to be fair, media- you, know- you silly Spock. It's not just the media's repeated demonizing and destruction of people from the right. It's also the utter lack of curiosity and wagon circling for the people on the left. The media doesn't even try to hide it anymore and has burned down the credibility they insist we give them. This soulless clown is outraged that random people had mean things to say about the media. Meanwhile, he hasn't sent a single tweet about the media disgusting attack on heritage. To a second, which I just played together. This is video, this video, this video, I think is what he meant to say, is for anyone who wants a more in-depth look at yesterday's Facebook Live segment. I explained what was happening behind the scenes and what was going through my mind at the time. Tracy Beans, I wonder how many folks are reliving moments they lost their businesses or unable to get treatment for their non-COVID illness. While you recount this harrowing affair, you made yourself the story. You aren't a journalist. What should have said is, here's a recap of me getting my ass handed to me. How dare the peasants embarrass me? No shit. Uh, P.M. Rushmore, from the greatest generation to the most pathetic generation. These Karens wouldn't made it off the boats on D-Day. Mm-hmm. Did I frighten you? Then you're not a real reporter. And he showed a picture of the American flag. He was there. Ben House. Oh, my God. Act like you're in danger. It wasn't Antifa you were showing up to. Also, quick scroll through your page. I think those local people knew exactly where your stance was here, Kev. Anyone that feels sorry for you or like you did some amazing story should be ashamed. Bro. I was a cop for 20 years. I've been cursed at, spat at, swung on, and death-wished upon myself and my family, been called a racist Nazi, been flipped off, and basically have taken the brunt of people's frustration for my whole career. Cry me a river! Because this same guy is pro-BLM. Get it now? People are angry and scared that they're losing their business and job. They said mean things to you, so the story's all about you. Thanks, Kevin. Big B is our last one. My hero, you're Vietnam. God bless you and your fake trauma and fake news. No fucking shit. And why do people do this? I play another Biden clip. I'm not going to. Drew Holden, today the character assassination of Tara Reid began in earnest. Shockingly, the same people had different thoughts when the accused wasn't on their team. Examples are threaded below and wouldn't seem right to kick off a list of hypocrisy with anyone but Jay uh, Jennifer Rubin. For Kavanaugh, I'll recollect Ford trembling voice acknowledging that she might be annihilated for her effort to spare the country from a grievously unfit justice. She got that right. For Tara Reed, Reed ingratiated herself and explained she was doing down on her luck and needed help and eventually took advantage of their goodwill to extract money, skip rent payments, or walk out of other bills. That's phase two. First, she's a Russian stoge. Now it's phase two. Lisa DeJonis did it. Both the same. 
I'm not going to read them. It's just the same. Natasha Kerensky did it. Ben Schreckinger, manipulative, deceitful user, Tara Reed. Georgetown law students protesting Kavanaugh outside Driskin say about 20 people have asked Tosh photos with this men are trash shirt. And it's a gay black guy. Politico did it. CBS News did it. ABC News did it. Cherry Jacobs did it. Foresaw attacker on the shortlist for SCOTUS and contacted her congressman. She's not mistaken about who tried to rape her. It was Kavanaugh. He and Mark Judge tried to get her into devil's triangle against her will, and she escaped. For Tara Reid, one colleague recalls she was fired for cause. The more explosive details in NewsHour's report comes from Ben Savage, a former co-worker who sat next to Reid in the ma- mailroom. <laughs> People's reply. Of course it has. Believe all women doesn't apply when I might be inconvenient. So this means if I'm ever sexually assaulted again, I have to make sure to ask what their political affiliation before I report it to be destroyed. Message received, Ruben. <clears throat> and that's the point. That's what they were crying during Kavanaugh. If we don't believe this now, we'll never believe it. And then the last soundbite, which I know this is America's our last sign by the day, but this came in late. And why this reporter got shit? This is your God, your black Jesus. Here's Obama's fucking commencement address that was piped into everybody's house. I don't see George Bush getting called back. I didn't see H. Bush getting called back. I never saw Reagan getting called back. But Clinton and Obama, they just don't go the fuck away. We're even getting quotes from motherfucking Hillary still. A loser. The only time you heard from McCain and fucking um, Romney was when they bashed Trump. That's when they became good guys. Before then, it's shut the fuck up and go away. But Obama, national broadcast, ABC, NBC, CBS... Fox Fox Network, he couldn't help but dog Trump and dog America. You're being asked to find your way in a world in the middle of a devastating pandemic and a terrible recession. The timing is not ideal. And let's be honest, a disease like this just spotlights the underlying inequalities and extra burdens that black communities have historically had to deal with in this country. We see it in the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on our communities. Just as we see it when a black man goes for a jog and some folks feel like they can stop and question and shoot him if he doesn't submit to their questioning. Injustice like this isn't new. What is new is that so much of your generation has woken up to the fact that the status quo needs fixing. That the old ways of doing things don't work. And that it doesn't matter how much money you make if everyone around you is hungry and sick. That our society and our democracy only works when we think not just about ourselves, but about each other. More than anything, this pandemic has fully, finally torn back the curtain on the idea that so many of the folks in charge know what they're doing. A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. If the world's going to get better, it's going to be up to you with everything suddenly feeling like it's up for grabs. This is your time to seize the initiative. Meaningful change requires allies in common cause. As African Americans, we are particularly attuned to injustice, inequality, and struggle, but that also should make us more alive to the experiences of others 
who've been left out and discriminated against. So rather than just say, what's in it for me or what's in it for my community and to heck with everyone else, stand up for and join up with everyone who's struggling, whether it's immigrants, refugees, the rural poor, the LGBT community, low-income workers of every background, women who so often are subject to their own discrimination and burdens and not getting equal pay for equal work. Look out for folks, whether they are white or black or Asian or Latino or Native American. As Fannie Lou Hamer once said, nobody's free until everybody's free. You're the folks we've been waiting for to come along. That's the power you hold, the power to shine brightly for justice and for equality and for joy. You've earned your degree. It's now up to you to use it. So many of us believe in you. I'm so proud of you. And as you set out to change the world, we'll be the wind at your back. So congratulations, class of 2020. God bless all of you. That's his presidency in a nutshell. It's why he lost 11 Senate seats, 60 seats in the House, 14 governorships, 900 state legislative seats. It was racial grievance. Wasn't his signature fucking measure of Affordable Care Act, which is a fucking total farce that they just did so they could get fucking single payer. No, it was racial grievance. Dividing America, making Americans hate each other, saying Republicans are horrible, bully pippeting, um, bully pulpiting. Everything is, if you don't agree with me, you're a fucking racist. Sahil Kapoor, Obama tells college grads, what is new is that much of your generation has woken up to the fact the status quo needs fixing, that the old ways of doing things don't work, and that it doesn't matter how much money you make, everyone around you is hungry and sick. More Obama. If the world's going to get better, it's going to be up to you. Nobody can tell you anymore that you should be waiting your turn. Nobody can tell you anymore this is how it's always done. More than ever, this is your moment, your generation, world to shape. NBC Chicago. Barack Obama tells graduates, thought to grow fast. Politico. Obama followed up his remarks in a second commencement address on Saturday evening where he called out so-called grown-ups for doing what feels good, what's convenient, what's easy. Obama jabs U.S. response to coronavirus in commencement. Dan Rather, a newsman. Watching Obama graduation address tonight, I think it finally understands Obamagate. It's a scandal of having a president be able to speak with empathy, humor, insight, inspiration, and complete and coherent sentences. The same thing they said about Bush. That's what he said about Bush when he tried to push the fake news. Stephen Miller, funny thing here is that exactly what Rather thought of Bush, which is why he tried that silly little document stunt that resulted in his ass fired and humiliated everywhere except on Brian Seltzer's show. Jim Bagley, so it is not the product, but the packaging that matter. Dan is a huge part of why we have Trump. What did Biden's speech say? Global citizens. That's what he said. We're all global citizens. They're not Americans. They fucking hate America. So we start This Is America just like we started the show. 
bias, the news is about me, I'm a fucking hero, and we end it with the cause of it all. Eight years of Obama telling us we're all racist, xenophobic, sexist, homophobe, pieces of shit. And we've segued into, now the news media does it for them, so they don't have to say it. We don't have a free press anymore. We have the Politburo. We have state media. When it is a Democrat, they don't report anything that can hurt that Democrat. They only report fluff pieces. Good stuff to make the dear leader look good. We're in a world of fucking shit, folks. If you want to go with the left, you will give up all your liberties, your ability to preach, pray, eat what you want, drive what you want, own a gun. They're going to take it all away. And say that's fucking fear-mongering? No, that's a fact. That's why I started the goddamn show with that measure. Their interpretation of what America should be is not America. Their interpretation of America is a socialist country where you just shut the fuck up and do what you're told. And if you think that's bullshit, you just have to look at the goddamn fascism emanating out of California that is going to stay locked down for another three goddamn months. For what? They don't have enough cases. They flatten the curve. But their coordinated effort on all levels is we're going to vote for home so we can pad the ballot with fake dead votes and give us more time on election night to find shit because it's going to take forever to count paper ballots coming in the mail when we've learned what 12 million have been lost in just one study. That's why they're doing it. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and Downcast, a new app that's for Apple users. Uh, I had like 20 downloads this week, which is interesting. Remember to check out the Facebook page on FOP Podcast and our Twitter page at FOP Tony Reed. Uh, our next show, we're going to shoot for Saturday, and that would be the 23rd of May, Year of the Lord, 2020. Tomorrow I'm booked up, Wednesday I'm booked up, Thursday I'm booked up, Friday I'm booked up, so we're going to go with Saturday podcast. And if you notice, for the very first time, those that are astute and actually play the tape to the end, I didn't double down on the spelling of my email address because none of you fuckers email me. So <laughs> I didn't do it, but I love to get emails at foppodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the fucking yeah, yeahs. Spend time with your family. Stay safe out there. If you choose to be safe like me and wear gloves and masks, do it. If you don't, that's your business. This is America. It's free will. And two back in Sunday for the next show. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride makes every day count. I'm the sun and the air.